All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this episode, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with special guest host, Brian McAfee, making his He's Done It debut to help us conclude our 2021 NFL season preview division-by-division series with the AFC North and the NFC North. We'll talk about my Pittsburgh Steelers as they look to improve on offense after a disastrous finish to the 2020 season, along with two teams that also joined them in the playoffs, the Baltimore Ravens, who looked to capitalize off their playoff victory last season, long awaited under Lamar Jackson, along with the Cleveland Browns, who enter the 2021 season with sky-high expectations. We'll also talk about Brian's Green Bay Packers. What can we expect from Aaron Rodgers coming off his MVP season and a very tumultuous offseason? And can Justin Fields save Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and their jobs? And will the Vikings' defensive additions be enough to push them back into playoff contention after a sub-500 2020 campaign? Finally, we'll wrap up the episode with Brian's chosen top five topic, things that should make a comeback. So with that, let's get started. Continuing with our 2021 NFL season preview series, our last edition, we'll be talking about the AFC North and the NFC North with a special guest host. First time on He's Done It, Brian McAfee. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, long time coming. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, we got two Brian's here. I guess you guys will have it easy. I know in um past episodes Brian Wells has made comments where he's referred to himself as B Wells. The reason why is because we got two Brian's in the friend group, so you have to distinguish them some way. Hopefully I don't uh confuse you guys too much by just saying Brian. But uh Brian McAfee, you first reached out to us, I think back in March, saying that you wanted to come on the podcast before the NFL season to help us with a you know season preview. And that actually kind of led to the idea of instead of just doing one, we have a bunch of people who we can talk football with. Let's break it up and do four. And it just works out that you happen to cover one of the divisions that our uh, guest hosts don't already lay claim to with the NFC North as a Green Bay Packers fan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Green Bay. Love it. <laughs> So we will get into the NFC North eventually, but we're going to start off with the AFC North. And we're going to start off with my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who last season won the division, but things didn't necessarily end as well as they started. Famously getting off to an 11-0 start, only to lose four of the last five games, and then lose in the wildcard round of the playoffs for a very unceremonious finish to the season. The offseason got started with the team getting rid of offensive coordinator Randy Feekner and offensive line coach Sean Surrett. 
A lot of questions about Ben Rossberger. Would he be brought back after he particularly struggled down the stretch? They reworked his deal. Free agency came. Juju Smith-Schuster was brought back at wide receiver, but the offensive line was shaken up a lot. Marquise Pouncey retired. David DeCastro released. Matt Filer and Alejandro Villanueva let walk in free agency. Totally new offensive line. And then one of the bigger moves was the Steelers deciding to draft running back Najee Harris in the first round, in addition to several other offensive weapons later in the draft, uh, both tight end and offensive line. So the big storyline now for the Steelers heading into 2021 is will offseason personnel decisions and coaching changes lead to better results for an offense that faded down the stretch last season? So last season, it was pretty obvious that Brian was not other Brian was not a big believer in the Pittsburgh Steelers and Corey you were a big believer in the Steelers and you thought they were uh, going to contend in the AFC I mean you probably had less confidence heading into the postseason given how they finished the regular season but I'd imagine you still thought after Kansas City they were in the hunt for the next best team in the AFC for sure and I was kind of in the middle now for this year, you're probably hoping that, especially with Brian on, that I would take <laughs> your side, but you're kind of on your own on this one. I'm I'm definitely not uh, high on the Steelers at all this season. Uh, I expect them to miss the postseason, in my opinion. I like their wide receivers in Claypool and Johnson and Smith-Schuster, but I don't trust Ben to stay healthy for all 17 games. And if and when Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins have to play, I can't imagine them playing at a high level. And then I I like Najee Harris. I think that was a good pick, even though he's a running back in the first round. Uh, Even though I like Najee Harris, I don't trust their offensive line. They were one of the worst run-blocking units in 2020, and they have four new starters on their offensive line, and their one and only starter, uh, a core four, is moving from right tackle to left tackle. So that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in their O-line. And then their defensive line, I'd like their defensive line with led by T.J. Watt, but they definitely have a lot of uh, losses on their defense. That includes Bud Dupree going to Tennessee, Steven Nelson going to the Eagles, and Mike Hilton going to Cincinnati. And they also have one of the toughest schedules in the league. They have to face Kansas City, Buffalo, Seattle, Brian's Packers, and they also have four games versus Baltimore and Cleveland. I don't think they'll go 0-4 in those games, but I can't imagine them going 4-0 either. And they were also 7-2 and in one-score games last year, so they were definitely a pretty lucky team at some, t- at some points in the year, and I don't think that's repeatable. And then I think everyone in their division is only getting better. Even Cincinnati, to an extent, is getting better. And so... I don't think the coaching changes really that make much of a difference make much of a difference uh, for the team. So for all those reasons, I'm 100% out on the Steelers this year. Oh boy, I wouldn't say that I'm personally 100% out. I don't think that they'll do anything like win the Super Bowl. I think they're going to compete for the seventh or playoff spot, but. Um... I think they're going to be a lot like last year. I don't think they'll go 11-0, but I think they'll be decent, middle-of-the-pack team. You know, their defense is just too good to completely write them off, in my opinion. 
Um, but I don't think they're, they're going to have that explosive of an offense to actually get them over the hump into the Super Bowl contention category with some of the other teams, especially since, like you said, that their division is not um, bad. You know, they got all pretty decent teams. The Bengals might be a little bit better um, than they were in previous years. If Joe Burrow starts doing well, but I think the Steelers themselves, I think it's going to be like last year where they just – make the playoffs and they won't be the second seed, but I think they're just going to lose pretty early in the playoffs if they get there or just barely miss the playoffs. So I, I was not expecting Brian McAfee to be higher on the Steelers than Brian Wells. That's for sure. Um, I mean, the offensive line to me is the biggest concern for this team heading into this year. And you pointed out there's four new starters. You know, Chuck Sikorafor is moving from right tackle to left tackle. Kevin Dotson was like one of the rare successes on last season's offensive line. So I'm hopeful for him. But outside of that, you're starting a rookie center in Kendrick Green who has to fill in for a future Hall of Famer in Marquise Pouncey. Trey Turner was brought in free agency to replace David DeCastro. And while he was a pro bowler for many years in Carolina, he was one of the worst offensive linemen in the league last year with the Chargers. And then Zach Banner is coming off a torn ACL. He's been slow to be able to get back on the field in training camp in the preseason. So there are a lot of concerns about the offensive line. That being said, I think the offensive line will ultimately be better, especially as the season goes along and these guys get more opportunities to play together. I think that it was such a weakness last year that it, like everyone wants to say that it's going to be like the worst in the league. And it very well could be at the start of the season. But my expectation is that these guys are going to ultimately prove to be better as the season goes along compared to some of the old veterans that they lost in the offseason. So to me, when I look at the Steelers on offense, I'm, I am I use this term a lot, but I'm cautiously optimistic. And I kind of agree with you, Brian. To me, this team is not a Super Bowl contender unless that offensive line is amazing. But I certainly think this offense can be great. And I think a lot of it, I know it was only preseason game against the Detroit Lions, but in those three drives that Ben Rosberg is on the field, he looked great. Eight for 10, 137 yards and a touchdown. He had a deep ball to Deontay Johnson. A lot of people are questioning his ability to move the ball downfield. Um, he had an amazing vintage Ben play with scramble, breaking away from a pass rush that everything went right except Eric Ebron had to drop the ball. And he ended up throwing two really amazing balls to Pat Fryermuth in the end zone for touchdowns. One of them, his pump fake was so good that it faked out the cameraman. So I'm, I'm not down on Ben Rosberger. I think Najee Harris is going to come in and transform this running game. That was 32nd in the league. There's nowhere to go, but up for them. So to me, it just comes down to the offensive line. And then you mentioned the schedule. Uh, I, I mean, it's no secret that the Steelers played one of the easiest schedules in the league last year. Now they're facing one of the hardest schedules. And I think that ultimately is going to play a role in whether or not this team not only makes the playoffs, but then, you know, has any kind of success there. Because if they're going to have to barely squeak in and go on the road versus maybe feeling really good about themselves as division champs because they beat other playoff contenders down the stretch because uh, their schedule post Thanksgiving is pretty brutal. Yeah, with the Steelers, I mean, hopefully their run game gets them over some of their, um, or is a little bit better than 32nd like they were last year. 
But I don't know. Like they they have decent names, but they don't have like a DK Metcalf or like a Tyreek Hill or some crazy star. Juju is pretty good. Claypool is pretty good, but they're nothing amazing. Ben's pretty good, but they just have a bunch of average players. I don't think they have anybody who really propel them to that next step. Like like yeah, CJ Watt. I, I, I think Deontay Johnson is going to take I, a huge step forward this season. Yeah, I think all three of their receivers are good, not great, but I. I if any of them's gonna be great, it would be Deontay Johnson as, as a trio. As long... They have to be up there for one of the best in the league, though. But they're all like you can say none of them is a true superstar wide receiver one, but at the very least, they have three wide receiver twos with one of them potentially being able to step up. Like Deon- Deontay Johnson <laughs> entering his third season. I mean, he he led all rookies in catches when he had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges thrown in the ball. Now he has a, a full off season and a full year under his belt working with Big Ben. He had a lot of drop issues. I think that hurt that's, him. That's that's really ton. the biggest issue of Johnson, if you can if you can clean that up. I guess he'd be the one of the three that has the best potential to be uh, a I guess superstar receiver. But yeah, I don't think any I don't think any three of them are really, but I think all three of them are are very good. Uh and I my my biggest uh I guess I question how much better their run game will be. Like I said earlier that they were one of the worst run blocking units in the league last year. How much how, how much of that had to do with the offensive line and how much of that had to do with the fact that James Conner and Benny Snell were just not good last year and Najee Harris is. Yeah, I mean, Najee Harris is a huge step up over those guys. And look, Le'Veon Bell was amazing when he had arguably the best offensive line blocking for him. And James Conner was a pro bowler when he still did. But when the offensive line took a step backwards, James Conner couldn't stay healthy. And the running game was terrible uh, the past couple seasons. I think Najee Harris, the thing with him is once he gets to the second level, he's a difference maker. But... He's someone who can absorb contact at the line and pick up five yards falling down. That happened at play against the Eagles. He was hit two yards in the backfield and gained six yards on the play. Now, he's going to have negative runs. He's going to have times where the offensive line doesn't help him out. But I think that he's going to make a big enough difference. And then another guy, Anthony McFarlane, he was a fourth-round pick in 2020. Uh, Minimal role as a rookie, but I think that he's shown a lot of promising signs in training camp in the preseason. They also brought in Kalen Balage, who's someone who had a he formerly had a high ceiling. Um, he's looked pretty solid. I, I do believe that the running game is going to be much improved. And uh, I, if it isn't, it comes down to the offensive line. Like that, that was the story of last season. And then one thing we haven't even talked about: Matt Canada replacing Randy Feekner. Like, like I don't. I know that a lot of people don't really know coordinators who aren't former head coaches but Randy Feekner should have never been an offensive coordinator I guess he was a good quarterback coach for Ben for many years but he's in way over his head at OC Matt Canada anytime the Steelers did something unique last year like you know like this Chase Claypool little handoffs and stuff that was a Matt Canada thing he's someone who I think is going to just add even more to that offense and find ways to overcome the offensive line issues which it wasn't something that Feekner could do ultimately I think the Steelers are like a 10 and 17 because of that schedule um you know, I think that would be good enough to make the playoffs. And like I said, post-Thanksgiving. So they play at Cincinnati versus Baltimore, at Minnesota in a short week, versus Tennessee, at Kansas City, versus Cleveland, at Baltimore. That seven-game stretch will make or break this season, like the way that this season plays out. 
and from you know the, the old Mike Tomlin mantra, unleashing hell in December from 2010 to 2017, 32 and seven in games after November 30th. And the, the past three seasons, they've collapsed down the stretch, two and four in 2018, lost three in a row to end the year in 2019, both times missed the playoffs. And then last year, we said one and four. And you know, they started 11 0, so they still got in, but they didn't do anything when they got there. So that's that to me is the big thing storyline I guess or like how that's going to affect things and then when you just focus on the offense it just comes down to the offensive line everything else is there in place it's just can the offensive line protect Big Ben and can it help the running back you know help Najee Harris do enough to be the special player he should be you're not worried a little about their offensive line and no I am I'm very worried about the offensive line because like I said that's what it's going to come down to but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that the offensive line will be improved from last season that the running game will be improved that Matt Canada will come in and be an upgrade over Randy Feekner and the offense will be much better I haven't talked about the defense I think the defense is going to take a step backwards a little maybe not a ton but losing Bud Dupree is tough uh, losing Mike Hilton is tough. Steven Nelson, uh, you know, he, it didn't end well, but like it doesn't take away from how good he was last season, or at least two years ago, he was very good. So I do think the defense could potentially take a step back, and that can also play a role. But I, I do believe that the offense will be much better than we saw, uh, particularly at the end of last season. So with the offensive line situation, I don't really agree that it's 100% on the offensive line. I think it has a lot to do with the receivers as well as the offensive line. Because none of those guys really scare me. Like, I'm not scared for Juju, like, blowing past me. And that, that as a safety or as linebackers, and that makes me want to creep up a little bit. I'm a little bit more ready for the run game and those receivers. I mean. That was what defenses did last yeah, year. Yeah, it just. That hurt it's, the offense. It's not that scary lining up from those three. I mean, maybe Claypool, you know, and uh, Johnson, they'll be improved for sure, but. I don't think that they're going to improve enough to like scare defenses off of stacking the box. Just Would you feel better about Juju if he wasn't so big on TikTok? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not too low on Juju. You know, I'm not trying to say that they're bad cuz they're all good, but they're just not they're not like scary. They're not like Tyreek or Devontae Adams or Stefan Diggs. Someone great who's just going to like I you think need to fair. put a lot of f- attention on them. I think it's easy to. There's no Antonio Brown. Yeah, you, on you the like anymore. I would feel comfortable putting any like average to good quarterback one on one against all of those receivers. You know, you're gonna lose sometimes, but a decent amount of the time you're gonna win and stop the run game while you do it, make them one dimensional. I mean, I'm I'm way more concerned about their O line and Big Ben staying healthy for the entire season. I I mean, he's this is ha- probably his last season. He probably has one foot out the door. All right. I mean, he did not. He definitely does not have one foot out the door. Like he's I mean, so he does. He definitely. He's definitely near retirement, though. The way he's he's looked the past year, and he, I can't even remember the last time he's played all sixteen games. And now it's going to be seventeen games. Uh, he's all in this year. He's he, oh yeah. He's got three more. I mean, Super Bowls to be fair. Him. Most of the time he hasn't played all 16 games is because the Steelers don't need him to play in week 17 because they already have the playoff spot locked up. Last season, (laughs) that was it. 2016, 2017. Last season was a wash. They were trash. (laughs) You just said he hasn't played 16 games. I'm saying last season they already had a playoff. Like They had the three-seed clinched last year. It didn't matter. He didn't have to play. He would have played otherwise. So I do – I mean, if he does go down and – Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins is thrust in action, then I will feel much less uh, optimistic about this team. But 
for now, assuming that Ben, you know, his can stay healthy. Um, that's kind of the assumption I'm operating under. I, I feel confident in the offense as a whole. So I'm not a Steelers fan. You know, I watch like NFL Red Zone, so I've seen parts of Steelers games and everything. But there was one game, I forget who they were playing. It was week 10 or 11 where I actually sat and watched the Steelers. I was like, why are they undefeated right now? What is going on? It's probably against the Bengals. And I watched them play, and I was like, this team stinks. Like <laughs> when they, they are not winning the Super Bowl. And that's when I put yeah. I texted all you guys and I was like, the Steelers are bad. Like they are not gonna do anything. Yeah, and I and I was in the middle when it came to to you guys last season when when they were eleven and zero. Yeah, I I was not a believer in that record. I I still thought the Chiefs were a much better team, but I didn't expect the I expected the Steelers to regress in their win-loss record. I, I mean, it was only a matter of time that they were going to lose. I just didn't think it'd be falling off a cliff losing, where they just lose almost all the rest of their games in the regular season and then just lose in the first, the first round. Bud Dupree's injury was a huge factor as well. Like, as much as defense has figured out the offense, like, losing him, like, and that's that's a thing. He's gone on the defense. So I, I expect the defense to not be... You know, the number one defense this season. I, I hope they continue the sack record with Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram, but um, I think that that is another reason to maybe be less optimistic about the team is just that they lost some key pieces. But Devin Bush has come back from a torn ACL, and he's awesome. And they also just traded for Joe Schobert, who's great pass coverage linebacker, not far removed from being a pro bowler with the Cleveland Browns. So um, I, you know, as much as I can say, like the defense maybe won't be amazing. I still believe that the defense will be in the, you know, the discussion for, you know, top five defense and there'll be a team that you want to have in fantasy because of takeaways and stuff. Yeah. Nick Fitzpatrick's still there. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking with the their defense is too good to write them off completely as a team. I don't think it's good enough like the uh, Seahawks were, you know, in 2014 to like win them a Super Bowl. Like, you know, they're yeah, no, and that's fair. I mean, they're, like they're good. The Broncos they're good enough to put them in the playoff contention, but I don't think they're good enough to give them a Super Bowl contention. The offense will have to do that for them to be Super Bowl contenders. Anyway, we've talked a lot about the Steelers. About we've gone <laughs> like a lot yeah, we, expected we, on the Steelers. We have. Uh, let's <laughs> let's kind of get through some of these other teams in the division. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, who in 2019 went 14-2. and Lamar Jackson won MVP, and they went into the playoffs and got bounced in the first round. And that was after losing in the first round the year before as well. And there were a lot of questions about the Ravens ceiling. You know, can teams figure out Lamar Jackson? Last season, the Ravens weren't as dominant as many people expected heading into the season, but they ended up making the playoffs as a wild card and beat the Tennessee Titans in the wild card round, getting revenge on the team that knocked them out a year earlier. So the big storyline for the Ravens now heading into 2021, after finally winning a playoff game with Lamar Jackson, will the Ravens prove they're now able to take the next step? So I mentioned several reasons why I'm low on the Steelers. One of them, like I mentioned earlier, was that they're in a tough division, and I think there are multiple teams in this division that are better than the Steelers, and one of them is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think there's reasons for optimism uh, for the Ravens to... Uh, prove that they can take the next step. Uh, they've won 11-plus games in each of Lamar Jackson's first two seasons as a starter. They have a great defense. They were both they were top five in both 
rushing and passing touchdowns given up. They were top 10 in rushing and passing yards against as well. So they were a great defense, both against the run and pass. Offensively, they drafted Rashad Bateman, and they signed Sammy Watkins, who I think they can help their offense a lot. And in especially since in 2019 and 2020, they ranked first in terms of rushing attempts and last in pass attempts. So I'd imagine adding those two guys can help their offense uh, pass a little bit more, maybe open up the playbook a little bit more. And uh, now what I do question with the Ravens is their health. Like I said, they even though they drafted Rashad Bateman, he got groin surgery, and so he's not going to be ready for week, week one. Uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown already has hamstring issues. And Sammy Watkins is always injury prone. And so I'm definitely worried about the health at the at receive wide receiver. And then Mark Andrews, uh, days ago, he needed an ambulance in the middle of practice and he has diabetes, especially, and that's especially concerning during our time in a COVID world. And, and so I question more the health more than the talent at wide receiver, uh, and tight end which is not usually the case. I usually question the, the, the talent more. Uh, but I think I think it's more of a question of their health at that position. And then I also question, this might be a silly thing to question, but I, I question their attitude during the playoffs because two years ago, I remember Earl Thomas would talk a lot of trash about how they're going to shut down Derrick Henry. And all of a sudden there's a, a video online of Derrick Henry just completely stiff arming him and then he just became a meme basically. yeah and and then the titans just they just destroy the 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 ravens in the in the one playoff game that lamar had in his mvp season and then last year they did shut down derrick henry but then all of a sudden they're stopping on the logo and like not shaking hands and i don't know i don't i'm not a huge fan there's of a the, lot of bad blood between the ravens yeah and the i'm titans, not a huge fan of sure. the the, how the Ravens act, and then after, yeah, after all that, they end up just losing to the Bills and only scoring three points. So, uh, I like the Ravens. I think they'll be a playoff team. I guess I have some doubts about their playoff success and their health overall. Yeah. So, with the Ravens proving their next step, what do you mean by that? What is their next step? Just winning a playoff game, or like winning, winning more, so advancing more in the playoffs? Yeah, advancing like being like a potential Super Bowl threat, something that we maybe have thought they were in the past, but ultimately proved that they weren't quite there in the playoffs. So the Ravens, I do think, in my opinion, are probably the best team in this division. That being said, I think for them to actually make it to the Super Bowl or even win the Super Bowl, they're going to need a lot of help. I think the Chiefs are going to be are going to need to be knocked out by somebody else. I don't think they could beat the Bills. I don't even really think they could beat the Titans. So, like, there's a lot of uh, things that need to go right for them. I don't think that they really have that X factor. So that's they put need them... to win 11-plus games, get into the playoffs, yeah, but then have then help from someone everybody. upsetting the Chiefs yeah. or Bills or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think... Can I see him in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I just don't think that they could really get there without a lot of luck and a lot of help with other teams beating the hard teams. I mean, their defense, pretty good. Um, I'm not sure exactly what did they do this season to upgrade it. Like, is They any... lost Yannick yeah. Ngokwe and Matt Judon. They, I mean, they, yeah, they lost Houston. Yeah. They yeah. lost Matt Judon to the, the Patriots. Uh, they used a the first-round pick on, uh, what, oh. 
how do you pronounce it? O Odafi Owe. Um, so I mean, they they brought in a, a young and an old pass rusher. I had the same thoughts as you on the Ravens. Like, yeah, to me. I like the Ravens as a playoff team. They're a team that you know is going to beat anybody that they're supposed to beat. If you look at them last season, 9-0 and against non-playoff teams, but they went 4-5 and against other playoff teams. Right. And one of those wins was over the 7-9 and Washington football team when Dwayne Haskins <laughs> is still their quarterback. So I, I still have questions about the Ravens. You talked about improving their passing game because of Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins has not been able to stay healthy in yeah, recent that's why seasons. I, that's why I was saying. Like, and Rash- Rashad Bateman's already injured to yeah, start the that, season. That's what I mentioned. So, like, I, I like those pickups, but they're already hurt. Yeah, I know. And like, I think that's a, a legitimate thing. But at the same time, I don't think it matters who's playing wide receiver for the Ravens. They're a run-based team. Lamar Jackson will be able to run over anybody. He can run for 100 yards any game. J.K. Dobbins, I think, is going to take a huge step forward after showing a lot of promising signs down the stretch last year they still have Gus Edwards yeah Mark Ingram's gone like they're going younger at running back to me the Ravens offense is going to be very similar to what you've seen in the past yeah they're Uh, a dominant running team that yeah like I said earlier they're they ranked first in rush attempts the past two each of the past two seasons and I think those offensive pickups that they made maybe can help them throw a little bit more because I feel like once they get to the playoffs maybe these teams figure them out yeah. because once they stop them against the run, they have to. They're forcing Lamar to throw, and I don't. I don't love Lamar in catch-up situations or coming oh. come from behind situations. No, all. he's never thrived in those. Yeah, um, he. Well, he played. He played well as a passer against Tennessee in the playoffs, and then did it against the Bills. I mean, they they only scored three points. Yeah, like Huntley looked game. better than than Lamar. He did, yeah, for his, for yeah, his so. short stint. I, yeah, I mean, I, I have the same thoughts as you, Brian. I don't think that they can beat any of the biggest teams in the AFC. Like, like you said, Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, who they're now one and two against. Uh, I mean, if I look at them against teams in the division, they seemingly had Cleveland's number last year, but then they they struggled against the Steelers whenever they faced them. Lamar Jackson, like for whatever reason, that's like the one team that totally has him figured out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Ravens are still a, a playoff contender. Um, I think that they have a very good shot at winning this division. I could see them winning a playoff game again. But ultimately, I just I don't think that this team is capable of getting over the hump. I mean, we we kind of have the same thing the past few seasons where it's like, oh, this, this amazing rushing attack that they have going with this, this perfect marriage between Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson, being able to have that run heavy offense where Jackson can come in and do what he needs to as a passer using Mark Andrews and other tight ends. And maybe the receivers will come in and do something, but I don't really think Sammy Watkins is a huge upgrade over say Willie Sneed, who they lost in free agency and Rashad Bateman. Yeah. He's a high ceiling first round pick. I thought he would have been a great um, fit for a lot of teams and Baltimore is in theory getting a great player, but uh, ultimately I, I don't think that's like their receiver is like, I don't think that's the recipe for this being a, a great team this year. And ultimately, you know, their, their ceiling is capped is the way I look at it. And I, I think it's I'll... hard for me to believe in them as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, with with yeah, the bad I... teams, with bad defenses, the mobile quarterbacks just run, run, run. They do whatever they want. But when they get to a good team with a good solid defense, good coaching, it's easier for them to like kind of put them in a box, you know? Like mm-hmm. Lamar he- wants to run. As soon as he sees pressure, he runs right away. And that just doesn't work. Like the, all the Super Bowl teams, like in the last 
20 years, you know, pretty much my whole life, like, how many of them were really super mobile quarterbacks? I mean, Cam Newton, like, 2015, but he's not, like, you know, he, he like, runs I mean, over Yeah, people. Russell Wilson, like, but yeah, he, Russell he's, Wilson. he's more of a passer than a, than a runner yeah, for that sure. Yeah, he can run yeah. very well, but he wants to pass first. I think Lamar. No, I mean he. Lamar Jackson compares very well to Michael Vick, and I don't think that the Michael Vick Falcons teams or even the Eagles teams were as good as Lamar Jackson's Ravens teams. But you know, I mean, Michael Vick was a great player for a long time, and I think Lamar Jackson can still be a great quarterback for a long time. But I just don't think that what they're doing in Baltimore is the key to being a Super Bowl team because like oh. you said it, it comes down to a great defense and someone can stop them yeah. I don't think that around the league everyone's going to be able to figure it out but I think enough teams can yeah. figure out how to do it and that they they can beat them on the offensive side of the ball as well because you know the Ravens have a very strong cornerback duo in Marlon Humphrey and um Marcus Peters, but outside of that, I don't love their defense. Like we said, they lost in Gokwe and Judon in the offseason, and I don't know if their immediate replacements to help their pass rush are going to you know, result in great success on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that for the last two seasons they've lost to teams that had defensive-minded coaches in Mike Vrabel and Sean McDermott. And I think, we, I think all three of us have different reasonings on how we feel about the Ravens, but I think we're all in the same boat in that we think that they're a playoff team, but also with a limited ceiling as well and that they can be figured out. Yep. So with that, let's talk about the next team in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns. So not far removed from going one in 31 in a two season stretch. And in the couple off seasons after that, they added some big names, generated a lot of buzz, but ultimately fell short of the playoffs. So 2020 comes around and the Browns take a little bit of a backseat when it comes to the media presence and they end up going 11 and five and their long playoff drought back in for the first time since 2002 and even win a playoff game when they get there. So this off season, the hype for the Browns has grown to astronomical heights and uh, everyone is thinking that they are one of the best teams of the AFC and a bona fide Super Bowl threat. So the big storyline for the Browns is, will they actually live up to the hype and prove that they are truly Super Bowl contenders this year? You guys are probably going to shut me down, but uh, I'm also on that side where I'm, I'm really high on the Cleveland Browns this year. That's something I thought I would never say in my entire life. <laughs> I'm really high on the Cleveland you Browns. You weren't last year. No, I so. wasn't, but... I think last year really showed that the Browns, I mean, so the Browns have had the past few seasons. I think we realized that the Browns have talent on their team. They have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but the coaching has been a disaster, especially when Freddie Kitchens was there for his one season. But I feel like last year really showed that not only do they have the talent, but they also have the coaching now to contend because they have Kevin Stefanski now as their head coach, who was coach of the year, and rightfully so, last season. And Baker Mayfield, he had 11 touchdowns and one reception in the last six regular season games uh, in 2020. And I, I believe he can carry uh, that momentum into this season. Uh, they have, in my opinion, the best running back duo with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And I think they have the best offensive line in the league as well. They drafted Jedrick Wills in the first round and Batonio and Teller. They were both second team all pro guards last year. And then Jack Conklin 
their right tackle, was a first-team All-Pro. So their offensive line is stacked. And then they also get Odell back, who missed uh, a big portion of last season, and he's their number one receiver, so that's definitely going to help. And then Jarvis Landry is definitely entering the season uh, healthier. He's not going to be that guy in Miami where he was catching 100-plus passes every year, but I still think he can be a great uh, or a good second receiver on the Browns. And so when you combine all that talent that they have offensively and their heavy play-action system and Stefanski's willingness to trust Baker more and a normal offseason, I really think that is going to open up the playbook more for passing and big success and not just offensively defensively they have miles garrett and denzel ward and other key additions uh, they made this offseason so i'm definitely a big believer in the browns this year so the browns have all the talent i don't care who you put on that roster you could put (laughs) tom brady every single hall of famer ever in their prime if they're on the browns they are not going to get it done. There is something about that team that just won't let it happen. You're right. They have a lot of talent. They have Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward's great on defense. You know, two very top, almost 10, five players. Obviously, Miles Garrett on the higher end of that scale. But they have the names on offense as well. Landry's great. Kareem Hunt's great. Baker's a lot like my guy, Brett Favre, where he makes crazy plays, but he makes a lot of bad plays, you know, and if they want to do anything in the playoffs, they need him to be hot and on his A game the whole time. He can't be making those crazy running around, throw a wild interception because he does that, you know. Um, He needs to make the biggest step for them to actually be in the Super Bowl contention. I think think they're going to be a lot like the Ravens where, you know, if they get there, they need a lot of help, but I don't think that the Browns can get it done personally. There's something there. The Browns just aren't allowed to be in the Super Bowl. They aren't allowed to win playoff games other than when they're beating Corey Sorry Steelers last year, scoring 28 points in the first quarter. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. They're the Cleveland Browns. They're cursed. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you you said that first, so I, I didn't have to be the only one who had that thought. But, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the way that I can't help but look at this Browns team. On t- paper they their talent could make them not just like super bowl contenders but like you can make a case that they top to bottom their roster just based on the names and who they have are the most talented team in the yeah. afc even above the chiefs because they have the best offensive line league like i'll straight up admit that huge talent uh, you know they have a, a great one-two punch in nick chubb and kareem hunt they have odell beckham and jarvis landry receiver baker mayfield he was a great game manager last year and on defense i mean they like you said, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, they also made some additions. But at the same time, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, they were struggling out of the gate when Odo Beckham tore his ACL. And then all of a sudden, like, he tore his ACL on a Baker Mayfield interception on the first pass he threw of the game. And then, and then Baker, I don't think he threw an incompletion the rest of the way, other than like a spike late in the game. It was it was incredible just how he turned around. Now you're going to throw Odell back, Beckham back in there. And it's no secret that Odo Beckham has a personality. Uh, we, in 2019, everyone is calling the Browns Super Bowl contenders, and then they go six and ten. Like they right out of the gates, they get blown out by Tennessee. Odell was apparently telling opposing teams to trade for him uh, at the end of games. Like there's just something goes on there, and everyone talks about the defense. I like picking up John Johnson. Uh, I think you know some of their draft picks, like 
Greg Newsom in the first round, Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, good value in the second round. But everyone's making a huge deal about Jadavian Clowney and his zero sacks last season. Tack McKinley, one sack last season. Like, I get that Clowney has had injury issues, but okay. I mean, at what point? I didn't are even we mention say, Clowney. Like, he can't, yeah, like, I know. I know he's not great. Non-factor. I. They need to learn how I to just, use. I know. I know, I know he's something. Something is gonna go wrong in Cleveland because something always does. And, and to me, like last season, I got caught up in the moment and I went totally against my thoughts the entire off season where I was like the Browns are not getting a ton of attention and they'll actually live up to the billing in 2020 and like they did in 2019 but now everyone's calling them Super Bowl contenders like they're the way that everyone's talking about him it just it feels like something has to go wrong because they're the Cleveland Browns and nice things don't that was that was my thought process two years ago I think we were all yeah oh I think we were both on the same page where they Mm -hmm. were overhyped and I I really believe that coaching makes a huge difference in the and NFL. That and is I think, absolutely fair. I think it's so obvious that Freddie Kitchens was a complete liability as a head coach and Kevin Stefanski really changed uh the Cleveland Browns uh success last season and they they were in that game versus Kansas City. I'm not saying they're better than Kansas City, but I think that yeah, the, the they, they showed that they were in that easier, game but... and I, I'm I'm definitely a believer in them this year. No, and look, if if I were to remove bias, like I'm sure that I would be higher on the Browns. Yeah, uh, and I, maybe that's I, part I don't, of it for I don't me. I don't even like, like I don't even like Baker Mayfield. I've said that several times, but yeah. I, but I actually I was impressed on how he played at the end of last season, not in the middle, because he said, like you said, he was a game manager for a good portion of the year. But I feel like I feel like Stefanski really started to trust Baker more. Uh, as as the year went on and Baker became more comfortable with the offense and and that was without Odell and Landry not a, at 100% and I think having those guys back at 100% not I'd imagine as the year goes on that they'll get injuries but for the time being like they're healthy and I think that's uh, that along with their rushing duo and their O-line I think they're going to be great offensively I think they need to learn how to use Odell, though. I mean, when he's been there, yeah. he's had a couple great games, like against Dallas. You know, he, I don't know his stats exactly, but he had that <laughs> long touchdown run at the end of the game. And the score was. Like I guess it 40, doesn't really matter 40, since but... pretty much everyone went off against Dallas last year. <laughs> well, but that game specifically, Odell went off, and like that was like mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Oh, is he back? Is he not back?" But then he sadly got injured. We never really got to find out. But when he's been there, I mean, he just—he's really great. He's this great talent, and they just haven't seen seem to use that talent at their all. offense they don't looks know. better without him yeah I mean, they, and like a weird because like, like it's like he deserves the targets and stuff you know like he he deserves uh-huh. it because he's great but like it's just like it's almost like they force feed him the ball because he's not like open they don't make plays specifically designed for him to get open lead him to success so if he um can start having that success if they can start calling plays to get odell the ball more which they need to figure out how to do I think you know maybe they'll maybe they'll be better. Super Bowl, eh? They're the Browns. It just doesn't happen in Cleveland. <laughs> Their ceiling is there. It's just hard to imagine the Cleveland Browns reaching that kind of ceiling. They need to sign so. LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are um, definitely gonna like my my bold prediction later. All right. Well, before we get to that, let's talk about the last team in the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals, who. They 
drafted Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick. He was playing great before his season was cut short with an injury. Heading into the season, the Bengals seemingly have a lot of offensive firepower around him. They used the fifth overall pick on Jamar Chase to join already uh, established receiver Tyler Boyd, as well as uh, second year T. Higgins. Joe Mixon is one of the better running backs in the league. So the uh, big storyline for the Bengals is, will the offensive firepower they have be enough to give them a chance to compete this season? So I'm a big believer in the Cincinnati Bengals in fantasy football this year. I think with uh, how fast-paced and how pass-committed their play style is on offense and how often I see the Bengals in garbage time, I think they're going to be terrific in fantasy football, Uh, especially with Burrow back. And they've got a great, good trio of receivers. None of of them, kind of like the Steelers, none of them are great receivers, but I think all of them are very good receivers. They combine well. Yeah, exactly. But in terms of real life, no, I'm definitely not a believer in the the Bengals this year. I totally understand the Jamar Chase pick because you want to appease your star quarterback, and Jamar Chase was Joe Burrow's number one guy at LSU. Even as crazy as it sounds, he's probably better than Justin Jefferson, which is crazy, but it's probably true. But at the same time, their offensive line is going to be – a complete liability this year, just like it was last year. And they're in a tough division where they got they have faced they have to face three teams that are definitely better than them, have better defenses. The Bengals, they're they're just they they're bad defensively, they're bad they have bad coaching, they have a bad line. Outside of Burrow and their receivers and Joe Mixon when he's healthy, I have zero faith in the Bengals having any sort of success this year outside of fantasy football. So I'm a little higher on the Bengals than you. Not high on the Bengals, but a little bit higher. They did draft for uh, two offensive line players in like the second and like the fifth or the sixth round. Um, we'll see how they turn out if they even win the starting job. But I think for their firepower to have even a chance to change their outcome in the season, um, that offensive line has got to get it together because they are a mess. Like Joe Burrow is great. I think he uh, is very good. I think he'll have a great NFL career. His receivers, uh, Boyd's pretty good. You know, Higgins. Um, what's the third one that I'm missing? Jamar Chase. Yeah, Chase. He, Chase. Ch- Chase should be good. You know, he hasn't proven himself yet, but he should be good. Um, they got the weapons. Mixon, it'd be great. Um, but Mixon just can't get it going with that offensive line, though. That's his thing. I think he's got the talent. Uh, he, he, the offensive line just isn't there. He's running around. And then you look at the Bengals defense. I mean, I don't even know any of those guys. I I know, <laughs> I know Mike Daniels because Mike Daniels used to be on my Packers team. He was good on the Packers. Since he left, I haven't heard much about him. But Eli Apple, eh, Trey Waynes, you know. Jesse Bates is really good. He's one of the best safeties in the league. Okay, but- I didn't know he was because I don't look at the Yeah, Bengals. I mean, he's they're the Bengals. Like yeah, He's not a so- recognizable name. So... Yeah, I mean their their defense is a liability offensively. I mean there there's kind of shades to the Steelers and that you have the guys there. It's just a question of is the offensive line going to be good enough? And I get Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow that connection. I think they should have taken Penny Sewell. Um, if Penny Sewell is the offensive lineman that everybody made him out to be, he would have been way more valuable than giving this team another wide receiver. I agree with you, fantasy wise, this team could be great. Um, ultimately, I think that they have a, too many holes to really be 
a contender, oh, especially in this division. Way, way too many holes on their team. Yeah, so, um, yeah, defensively, I really don't like them spending what they did on Trey Hendrickson and passing on Carl Lawson, who I know the he tore his ACL, um, you know, not to say that it would have happened in Cincinnati like it did in New York, but uh, to me, this Bengals defense is going to be the liability. They're, they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and I think, you know, offensively they'll put up great numbers but it's just it's not enough to translate to wins yet they're still a a year or two away for that but if their offensive line it has to be better it has to be better oh for sure if it if it holds up their offense i mean maybe it could be enough but that being said i mean you look at the defense is their defense is one of the worst so even then like their ceiling is capped so yeah yeah i guess i hate it so much because i i love joe burrow i think he's a stud but they're I mean, he got injured last year. He had a torn ACL, MCL, and that play had a lot to do with the fact that their O line sucks. And <laughs> horrible. Yeah, I mean, there's also questions about him coming back. I mean, by all accounts, he should be healthy, but uh, it's certainly possible that I, I, he might not jump out of the gates as great as he did. I'm last just worried year. that just uh, I hate when bad franchises ruin potentially great quarterbacks. Like I, I, I hate that. The Colts basically just ruined Andrew Luck. And I mean, maybe he was overrated by a lot of people, including myself, but th- I, I just, I hate when franchise quarterbacks are just ruined by bad teams. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough for me given that the Bengals are the Steelers' rivals, but I, I did appreciate Joe Burrow when he was at LSU. He did beat Clemson in the national championship game. So he'll always mean something to me for that. But uh, it would be nice to see him have some success this year and at least not get injured because of a bad offensive line. I'm rooting for him. You know, I'm, I'm a little, oh, same, I'm a little bit of a Bengals fan like, out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I like him better than all the other teams. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get ready to wrap up the AFC North now with our new addition that will have the biggest impact. So Brian Wells will have you get started with this one. Uh, so you actually touched on this name earlier. Uh, I I really liked the John Johnson the third pickup for the Cleveland Browns. He was uh, a former safety with the Rams uh, for the past few seasons, and he actually led the Rams in tackles last year. And Pro Football Focus ranks him as the third best safety entering the 2021 season. And so he's great as not just a tackler, but also in coverage as well. And I think he can help a defense, like we said, led by Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. And I think their defense can definitely uh, improve even more from last season because of additions like him. Pro Football Focus has him as a number three safety. Yeah, entering this year, yeah. That's crazy. Like, I feel like that would be the only list that would have him listed that high. I do think John Johnson's a big impact player, but I, I can't think of his name appearing that high on any other safety ranking I see. So just take everything that pro football focus says and just do the opposite. They- <laughs> so he's the 30th best safety? Yeah. yeah. He's the bottom. No, I'm just kidding. Um, My biggest addition for this division would be Najee Harris. We'll see. We'll see if he can get it together, get that Steelers going, uh, run game going. They had it a few years ago, you know, when Le'Veon Bell sat out and then they're like, James Conner came in, was the best in the league, or not the best running back in the league, but he had the stats, you know. Um, and then I was like, dang, anybody can come play running back for the Steelers and do decently. He was, you know, I never knew who James Conner was. <laughs> I wasn't high on him. Uh-huh. But me in there, I'll be 15th best back in the league. 
No, um, so we'll we'll see. We'll see if he can get it together, turn that Steelers team around. I think he's the biggest addition to this division because the, St- the Steelers actually have a chance um, of winning the division. So I think he could put them over that hump of being the bottom playoff team. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I I do think Harris is a great pick. I definitely would have gone with him if you didn't go with him. Um, you know, there are probably other Steelers you talk about the offensive line you could have gone with, but uh, I'm also going to go with the Cleveland Brown defensive player. And how about Jadavion Clowney? I mean, we barely talked about him, but he had zero sacks last season. I mean, it, he's supposed to be part of the reason why the Browns are Super Bowl contenders because they went out and they have this amazing pass rusher to line up opposite of Miles My- Garrett. If he plays like he did when he's on the Texans, then yeah, this team is very much a Super Bowl contender. But if he can't stay healthy and he can't produce, even you know with Miles Garrett, the opposite pass rusher, then the Browns' ceiling is going to be capped because their defense is not going to make a huge improvement. I mean, their pass defense was not great last year. Johnson is going to be a part of it, but I think Clowney's also going to play a role in their defense being better. I love that Skip Bayless said during Clowney's draft that the Houston Texans will forever regret not drafting Johnny Manziel, number one overall. He goes to the yeah. Cleveland Browns, and then he's out of the league in two years. And now Jadavion Clowney is now playing for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Well, Skip Bayless also said that draft that Johnny Manziel will be greater for the city of Cleveland than LeBron, than LeBron James, James ever was. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta love Skip. Yeah. All right. Now let's go with our bold prediction. So, Brian Wells, you want to start off there? Yeah. I have. I actually have a few bold calls one's definitely one's developing uh so first one i'll say the cleveland browns are is it is it bold to say they're in the afc championship game is that bold yes okay uh, yeah, i mean i mean i don't think see, it's I like don't super think it bold is, but the but way you guys talked about them like the way man, that we right, talked maybe about it is bold them, yeah. to what, say no for sure once you hear right, my yeah. prediction it will be bold <laughs> <laughs> um for reasons i said earlier i'll say joe burrow leads the league in passing yards uh, this year, given right. how their their passing offense, how heavy it is passing wise, and how often I expect them to be coming from behind in games, and then this one's developing. Uh, I'll say the Steelers have a losing record this year. I'll it say, hasn't uh, happened under Mike Tomlin. Yeah, that's bold. So my bold prediction is that the Bengals will compete with. The Cleveland Browns for third place in the division. <laughs> nice. I don't know if it will happen, but I wouldn't be that surprised. The Browns, you know, they could make it to the AFC Championship, but they could also go 6-11 and 11 and miss the playoffs in my don't, mind. Don't. And I think it's leaning towards that 6-11 and 11 team. So I think the Bengals team- will be decent. I don't think they'll be better than decent, you know, bad to decent. And I also think that the Browns will be that bad. So last year, you and Corey definitely went back and forth on the Steelers. Don't don't expect me to go back and forth. I'm not. I don't love the Cleveland Browns like fan wise. I'm just high on their talent and coaching for this upcoming season. Right, but that's on paper. And yeah, on paper. On the field, they so, play in Cleveland, and the air in Cleveland. So I'm, is... I'm not going to get defensive about Cleveland if they stink. If they stink, <laughs> then it's like, wow, well, no no shock, no shocker. They're Cleveland. <laughs> They're right. Cleveland Browns. I will so, yeah. say that as as much as I like 
you know, the, the way that I'm not as high on the Browns as you are, you know, for the same reasons, the Browns are the Browns. I do think that it is bolder to say that they would go six and 11 than that they would go to the AFC championship game. Um, I, I wasn't going to use that as a bold prediction, but just, but, the, hey, after just the way said, you guys taught sure. I'm like, sh- shit, I, I got to. I'll, I'll say that I'll say they make it the AFC Championship. Game. <laughs> well, hey, my bold prediction, which like I wasn't sure how bold it was, but based on our conversation, I think it's very bold. Um, so in 2020, Deontay Johnson had 88 catches, but for 923 yards, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster 97 catches, but only 831 yards. Uh, Chase Claypool 62 catches, 873 yards, more normalized numbers. So my bold prediction for 2021 is that the three of them will become only the 12th trio in NFL history to all have 900 plus receiving yards. I think that Juju is going to continue to have a high volume and he's not going to be like that Heinz Ward role the entire time. I think he's going to be able to space out. I think Deontay Johnson is going to take a big step forward. You know, they might not have an Antonio Brown in this offense lining opposite Juju, but I do believe all three of them can get to 900 yards. Uh, It happened with the Chargers in 2019, but uh, you know, outside of that, like I said, it's only happened 11 times in NFL history. So I think that the Steelers are capable of being the 12th. I, for a while, I wanted to say Ben would be the leading passing yards player in this division, but then I thought about the whole like Bengals playing from behind. You know, Joe Burrow is gonna accidentally stumble on 400 yards in like a 38 to 24 loss a few times. So um, I'm not gonna go with that, but I do think those receivers are all gonna combine to have a great season. I think that's a fair prediction. All right, uh, let's move on to the NFC North now, and let's get started with Brian's Green Bay Packers. Uh, They were the number one seed in the entire NFC last year. Aaron Rodgers won MVP, but they ultimately lost in the NFC Championship game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the tumultuous offseason began as Rodgers had a lot of questions about whether he was going to play for the Packers or even play at all. Ultimately, he decided to show up to training camp, some cryptic messages and thoughts out there, We're not really sure what to make of him moving forward after this season, but for now, he looks to defend his MVP title and get the Packers back to the uh, deep in the playoffs. So the big storyline is, you know, after this offseason, will Rodgers be able to repeat those MVP efforts and keep the Packers at the top of the NFC? So repeating the MVP efforts, I think he's going to try his best, but actually getting to the MVP, I don't see it again. I mean, he had a 9.1 um, like touchdown rate last year, which is insane. He, 48 touchdowns, 5 interceptions is unheard of. I just I don't see him repeating those numbers. Do I think he'll be great? Yeah. I mean, I think the Packers will be the best in the division as a Packers fan, but um, I don't think he'll be able to repeat the MVP. And honestly, the offseason, yes, it was horrible. Yes, it was hard to watch uh, as a Packers fan. But I don't think it's really going to affect him all that much this season. I think he had a good time mentally. You know, he he's like a big, big like uh, meditation mental guy. He's like, and he's in a good spot right now mentally. So I think since he's on the Packers, he's a hundred percent into the into the Packers for this season at least. We'll see what happens next year. But as far as this year goes, I think he's going to be all in for the Packers, trying his best, doing his thing, and we'll see. Maybe he'll get MVP. I don't really – I don't think he'll be able to repeat it again with guys like Patrick Mahomes in the way or even Josh Allen, you know. But um, we'll see. 48-5 and is unheard of. It's not going to be repeated. So, yeah, I – 
I still expect the Packers to be really good, win double-digit games and make the playoffs. And I expect Rodgers to regress, like Brian said, but I still expect him to play at a very high level. I guess I think the real question is, can Rodgers and the Packers rebound after last year's NFC Championship game loss? And, I mean, Brian touched on uh, Rodgers' love for meditation and during during the off seasons and that certainly helped them last year uh but i guess i question how how much is he bought in into this year i mean him and Devontae adams they put out this uh jordan pippen meme the last or dance. thing where the last dance and so i'm curious how i'm curious where their heads are at both rogers and adams like is is rogers fully bought in for this season or does he uh, is he thinking about other things after this year, like playing with another team or retiring and hosting Jeopardy? I, I, I guess I'm curious where his head at will be this year. And and Devontae Adams, given his contract situation and wanting to be the highest paid receiver, and um, it looks like the Packers aren't totally committed to making that happen, it looks like. So I'm curious uh, how Adams will approach this year and – and and beyond and yeah this offseason was not great just given all the Rodgers drama and didn't really make many notable offseason moves uh to add to their team but they should still be really good but I'm just curious how they rebound from last year I I think Devontae Adams contract situation only motivates him if you actually want to be the highest paid in the league you got to prove it this yeah, year so it, it's a contract, so contract year. year yeah yeah I mean I think he's the best in the league I am biased Packers fan but there's a lot of other people who aren't Packers fans who would agree with me um I don't think that those offseason issues this past summer will really affect him I think since Rodgers is in the building he's he's 100% there if he wanted to re- retire and host Jeopardy he would have done it he doesn't want to. He's still got more football left in him. I think he's 100% there. So I went into last season after the Jordan Love pick thinking that the Packers were either going to miss the playoffs because of that or win the Super Bowl because of that. And I think that this offseason, I kind of go in with similar mindset. And I think that I I learned better. Uh, you know, last season I thought that, oh, their 13-3 and record in 2019 was kind of a mirage. They overachieved, so they're going to get worse, and that didn't happen. Um, while I agree that it'll be difficult for Aaron Rodgers to repeat his MVP performance, I absolutely think that he's capable of throwing a lot of touchdowns and not throwing many interceptions. And I don't know, the whole last dance thing does kind of excite me about this team this year. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure what to expect, but I'm certainly optimistic that the Packers will you know, once again win this division. They'll once again be one of the top teams in the NFC. And it's a question, can they get past some of those other top teams? You know, Not just Tampa, Like, there's other teams you have to worry about in the NFC. Um, one thing I'll say, I do think that the start of the season will be fairly telling for the Packers this year their first four games are at New Orleans versus Detroit and then at San Francisco versus Pittsburgh they could very much go four and oh in those games but if they do lose one or two of those then I think that could maybe not bode well for what's going to happen the rest of the season but if they come out and they play really well against those teams and get off to a great start then I think we're going to continue to see them win as the season goes on they have a fairly favorable schedule after that they do go to Kansas City they do play the Seahawks and the Cardinals the weeks before and after that that's another tough stretch in the middle 
middle of the season. But I think that, you know, when I look at this team, like those first four games are kind of going to be telling of what we see of the Packers moving forward. Um, and I guess not even that, like I know they had the year was four and six, the whole relax, they turned around, ran the table, won the division, but you know, their ceiling was still capped at that point. So I think it's, that's another thing. Whereas maybe if they got off to a slow start, they can still turn things around, but then, you know, there's other great teams in the NFC and they'll just put themselves in a bad position entering the playoffs. I think if they went zero and four in those first four games, they'd be just fine. I think they'll relax. Like you just said, and I think they'll be just fine. There's, I mean, the Vikings could potentially win the division. That's the only team that has a chance other than Green Bay. Um, Green Bay's defensive coordinator situation, Joe Barry coming in this year. Hopefully he's a little better. Hopefully he knows that with six seconds left in the NFC Championship, there's two options. You're going to throw it to the sideline or you're going to throw a Hail Mary. Hopefully he knows that one (laughs) high safety is kind of a bad idea in that situation. Like anybody who's ever played Madden would know. Um, You know, I, I don't, they got Eric Stokes. You know, apparently he's really fast, similar to Sam Shields. He can recover if he's beat. Um, we'll see. I, I don't think their defense could be bad. Like, or I think it will be bad. I don't think it will be worse um, than, it, than it has been. But they also lost Corey Lindsley, one of the best yeah, centers I mean, in the I, league. I mean, that's, that is huge. How do you feel about um, choosing Aaron Jones over Corey Lindsley? Oh, I, I think Aaron Jones is great. I think he's a stud. But I don't know. I, that's a hard thing to say because... They could have signed Jamal Williams, who's also good, for a lot less money. They could have signed neither of them and gone with A.J. Dillon, who his thighs are huge. Oh, you know? they're massive. Yeah, like, yeah. They're I like mean, tree trunks. He didn't have uh, giant opportunities last year, but when he was out there, he looked pretty good. I, I know the Titans game was kind of a wash because they were winning 40 to 10, you know, but he when he was out there, he, he looked great against the Titans. He had a couple touchdowns. Um, I, I hated that pick, Lat. <laughs> I hated that pick last year just because they had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams already. Just well, taking they, a third, they were both but, in but, contract years, so they knew that yeah. they were going to need. They weren't going to be able to get both of them back. So, yeah, I, I yeah, it makes sense now. I, yeah, I agree. I personally like would have tried to keep Lindsley over Jones, um, but I mean, yeah, Aaron Jones is a, a very good running back, one of the best in the league. Maybe underutilized at times, which is another reason why I was surprised that Green Bay brought him back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think that the the Packers defense is kind of similar to the Steelers offense and that you get rid of a terrible coordinator. So you have to feel like they're going to be better just because of who's running it. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely reasons for optimism with that. If they if they took Jamal Williams back and let Aaron Jones go, I wouldn't have been upset because Jamal Williams is good. You know, he's, he's not as good as Aaron Jones, but they would have been able to pay him a lot less and maybe they would have been mm-hmm. able to get Lindsay back, you know, but yeah. we'll see. I, I think both. Yeah. I mean, true. They could have ended up losing both Lindsay and Jones. So if Lindsay was definitely gone. Keeping Jones is, is probably a good thing. I yeah. think both routes make sense. I, I'm not a fan of overpaying the running back position, but I think there are uh select few in the league that make sense. And I think Aaron Jones is, is one of them that deserves uh, to be paid. And Big you time. guys are so high on the uh, Browns offensive line. I mean, that Packers offense line was easily the best offensive line um, in passing situations last year. So I think losing Lindsley, you know, he's a great player, but that's they still got the other guys, you know? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. We'll see. Yeah. No, definitely reasons for you to be optimistic about the Packers. 
they were not the only team in the NFC North to make the playoffs last year, though. The Chicago Bears, after starting 5-7, and seven, seemed like their season was done. They ended up winning three in a row, sneaking in to the playoffs as a seven seed. But their quarterback play was still suspect between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, which caused the Bears to go out and sign Andy Dalton in free agency and then trade up in the draft to the 11th overall pick, sacrificing next year's number one to take Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, who is already bringing in a ton of buzz. Now, it was questionable for the Bears to keep both general manager Ryan Pace, who made the Trubisky selection, as well as head coach Matt Nagy. They're both back this season, but both certainly on the hot seat. So the big storyline for the Bears heading into 2021 is with both Nagy and Pace on the hot seat, will Justin Fields be able to do enough as a rookie for the Bears to be successful? I'm not sure if Justin Fields will be able to do enough as a rookie for the Bears this year because I'm not sure how committed the Bears are starting Fields uh, earlier than sooner, sooner rather than later because because I mean, I think Fields will start at some point this year, but I have no clue when he will start. And I think it'd be crazy for the Bears to to play Andy Dalton for a substantial amount of games because Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace, they're, they're both on the hot seat for sure this year. And I feel like Justin Fields is like they're – their last saving grace this year for in terms of their futures with with the Chicago Bears and I think they got to start him sooner rather than later now I guess the reason to not to not start him right away is because you don't want to ruin the rookie quarterback like I said earlier I always hate it when when that happens and I've actually watched some of the preseason this year particularly uh the the Bears games one because I have no life but two I I actually want to invest some time in the preseason this year, just given how we didn't have a preseason last year, and there are a lot. There's a lot of upcoming talent from this draft class, including Fields. And when I was watching the second preseason game, there was one play in particular where the offensive line had no communication whatsoever, and Fields just got lit up to the point where his helmet came off. And I worry that. He's going to get killed, like as a rookie. Even though I'm definitely a believer in his talent, uh, I worry about. Yeah, that's that's tough to see in a preseason yeah, I, hit I, like that, and you're Sark rookie quarterback. Yeah, I I like Fields a lot, but I don't trust what's around him in terms of coaching and their O line. And I mean, they have a good defense, and I like Allen Robinson. But after Allen Robinson, I don't love their options. Uh, Darnell Mooney as the second receiver is not uh, is not doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. I don't think, and and yeah, Marquise Goodwin I think is like their third. Super fast. Yeah, he's he's fast, but he's not. He also didn't play last year. Yeah, and so I don't love their weapons after Allen Robinson, and yeah, I'm just I'll admit I'm I'm not a huge believer in them. I don't think they'll suck, but I don't expect the Bears to be a playoff team this no. year. No, neither do I. And to answer the question of Justin Fields, will he be able to do enough? This is Andy Dalton's team. He's going to start. They might let him start too long. Hopefully, like you guys said, Nagy and Pace, uh, you know, this is their time. So maybe they will be quick to make that switch because I can't see Andy Dalton going out there and lighting it up. 
um, especially with that Bears offense the way that it is. I mean, Mike Montgomery's he had a pretty good year last year, actually. He, he had a but, great um, finish last season. Yeah, 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 he was pretty good. Uh, but Cohen's coming back. You know, he's pretty good, small. But they also signed Damian, Damian Williams. Williams. Yeah. yeah, former Super Bowl hero. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if he'll get the touches, though, to be honest. Uh, but Allen Robinson, good. But we'll, we'll see. I, you know, Khalil Mack hasn't. He wasn't even really a name last year. But they're they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose to the Packers twice. They're gonna lose to the Vikings twice. They have to play the Bucks. The schedule is not favorable. They're gonna lose games like to the Raiders, decent teams, the Steelers. You know, I I don't I don't think that they can really make the playoffs. I don't. I think they're gonna be bad. Quite honestly, even with Justin Fields in there, I don't care um, how great he might be, but. I, Definitely not as a rookie. I don't think he's going to put them into the playoffs. I don't even think they'll be decent. I think they're going to be bad. Andy Dalton certainly will not save their jobs. <laughs> Justin Fields is their only hope. And yeah, I mean, the the Bears team, it's just not great. You know, their offensive line is terrible. Their defense is not as good as it used to be. And I think Bears fans are stuck between a rock and a hard place because you either hope you get to see Justin Fields ASAP because he has way more chance of having success than Andy Dalton. But at the same time, you don't want him to be ruined by Matt Nagy. You don't want him to play just well enough to you know keep Nagy around and just have a Trubisky 2.0 situation. I think that like the best case scenario for the Bears would be that Andy Dalton plays well enough that they don't go to Justin Fields too soon, but not well enough that they actually make the playoffs and they, you know, they, they keep these guys around because I've, I've said it for years. I'm super down on Matt Nagy. Nobody has to say Ryan Pace is a great GM. You know, everyone, yeah, you, you've been, talk about you've been more down play. on the coaching and I've been more down on the GM. Yeah. I mean, it's just so frustrating because I bought into this team in 2018 and then I realized, oh no, this is actually terrible. And Matt Nagy sucks as a head coach. And, um, he's not an offensive genius, and I, I don't know. It's like I, I want to see Justin Fields have success. Like I, I was high on him coming out of college, and I didn't really understand why he fell to the number eleven pick. But I mean, it's exciting for Bears fans, but ultimately, I don't think he's going to be able to play well enough as a rookie with this team. And you know, down the road, they can certainly get much better if you bring in you know a new GM, new head coach to rebuild the team, and. Uh, you know, I, I think that needs to happen sooner than later. And if that that means Andy Dalton has to be the quarterback for a while, then great. But at the same time, like that's not going to keep Nagy and Pace's job. So they will push for Justin Fields, you know, you know as soon as possible. Dalton's going to start week one. If I had to guess, we saw Trubisky in week four back in 2017. Um, that was when John Fox was on the hot seat. That sounds like a good time for Fields. It'll be around there. Um, but you know, at that point, I just don't think he's going to be put into a great situation. He'll probably have some great moments, but ultimately they're going to have more losses and wins. So a problem with the Bears' schedule is they play the Rams, and then the Bengals, then the Browns, then the Lions, then the Raiders. They're probably going to lose to the Rams, but and probably the Browns, but they could beat the Browns. You know, maybe they'll go out. That schedule Dolan. gets favorable. So it's like... Yeah. You know, maybe they even sneak a win against the Rams. Do I think it will happen? No, but it could. But they you know, could the start Rams, four and two. Yeah, reasonably. like so they're gonna be like, oh, Dalton's the guy. Yeah. Maybe not the guy, but you know, he's gonna play the rest of the year. Then they play Green Bay. That's a loss. Buccaneers loss. Forty Niners loss. Steelers loss. Ravens loss. Like that's a lot of losses in a yeah, row. So I don't. Maybe see that's them. when we'll start seeing fields. So it's like they're gonna get those five games under the belt. Could go, you know, four and one, five and zero, oh, three and two. 
you'd be like, oh, maybe Andy Dalton is okay, but then they're going to get into the real games against those real teams and just lose all of them, and it's going to be a mess. And Justin Sometimes Fields it's going to be that thrown field into a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's smarter to wait it out and let the rookie quarterback sit, but some cases it's much better to just play the rookie. I mean, we saw it with the Houston Texans when they drafted Deshaun Watson Bill O'Brien decided to start Tom Savage, and then he realized after literally one half, not even a full game, one half, he's like, yeah. yeah, we should play Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but, I mean, Dalton has been a starter for a long time. I know last year he even he was kind of the starter. You know, Dak Prescott went down. And then, right. Yeah, he got to play a lot, so, and like, he got hurt right away. He's never but... really been a backup. As far as I can remember, so I mean, outside of no, last I mean, year, he, he got benched his last season in Cincinnati. He'll be but. he'll be okay enough to like play. You know, he's, he's not like a Tom yeah. Savage. No, where I mean, he's it, never <laughs> he's Tom Savage. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> no, I mean this. It it just comes down to like you know the fact that these like if if the Bears head coach and GM weren't fighting for their jobs and I do think that Fields would be given the proper amount of time to sit and learn under Dalton and not be thrown into a bad situation with this team but there's going to be too much pressure to go to him early and I think that ultimately is going to do them in so let's talk about the next team though Minnesota Vikings Brian it sounds like you're pretty high on them uh, last season they went seven and nine though they got off to a really bad start they had promising moments on you know particularly Justin Jefferson who was phenomenal as a rookie uh, after they took him in the first round but they had issues on the defensive side of the ball something that has never happened under Mike Zimmer since he was took over as head coach in 2014 they consistently found themselves in the top half statistically including several years in a row where they were in the top five. Last season, they dropped all the way to the 25th ranked pass defense and even worse than that in rush defense, 27th overall. So they're uh, ultimately, that did them in. They allowed the fourth most points against and missed the playoffs. So this offseason, they've gone out and they've made several additions. They signed Defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, cornerbacks Patrick Peterson, longtime Cardinal Bashad Breeland, safety Xavier Woods, linebacker Nick Vigil. They also brought back several former Vikings, Mackenzie Alexander, corner, defensive lineman Sheldon Richardson, Stephen Weatherly, and most recently Everson Griffin. So the big question, big storyline for the Vikings heading into 2021 is will their defense be able to get back on track and help make them playoff contenders? So, oh, do you want to go first, Brian? Oh, I don't, no, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of in the the same boat as Brian with the Vikings, where I think they can. F- I think they'll finish second in this division, and I think they'll be a team that by week eighteen, week eighteen, they'll either be barely in the playoff picture or they'll be barely out. So I expect them to be in the hunt, uh, playoff hunt for the entire season, and. I think the additions and healthy returns on defense should give the Vikings optimism to make the playoffs. Like Corey, you mentioned already, they they signed Patrick Peterson and Brashad uh, Breeland to start at corner. They signed Sheldon Richardson at nose tackle, and they get several players back last season from injury or even COVID opt-outs, and which I think will definitely help because the Vikings were not good defensively last year. 25th first the run, 27th first the pass, and they were in the bottom 10 naturally 
both in terms of rushing and passing touchdowns given up last season. And so I don't expect the Vikings to be an elite defense with the additions and healthy returns that they have, but I expect them to be middle middle of the pack kind of defense. I think that's kind of realistic. And their offense is certainly good enough to make the playoffs with Dalvin, Adam, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson leading their offense. I guess I'd be concerned about the competition around the NFC. There's definitely a lot of teams you can make a case for to make the playoffs, including Minnesota. And I also, I'm a little concerned about Kirk Cousins and his, his thing with COVID or not wanting the vaccine, which He's I know is- be in the plastic box. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to hang out in plexiglass all, yeah. all season. I mean- and he he's already pissing off Mike Zimmer already, and he he hasn't even thrown an interception yet, <laughs> or or <laughs> he hasn't. It's not even week one yet, and Mike Zimmer is already pissed off at Kirk Cousins, and so I actually think that's a bigger storyline than people realize, just because he's the quarterback, and that affects the whole team. It's not like some third string defensive lineman. If if that guy gets COVID or whatever, it's like all right, well, whatever, just put in the next guy. But if the quarterback it gets gets in a COVID situation, either testing positive or being in a high risk situation. That's really not good when the quarterback is the one uh, in that situation. And I, I'd imagine that will be a story throughout this year. So that gives me concern a little bit. But yeah, ultimately, I think the Vikings will be a decent team, and I expect them to be in the playoffs or playoff hunt uh, this year. So I definitely think that their defensive additions will make them enough to get into the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the division title race. Do I think they'll win it? No. I think Green Bay is better, and I think Green Bay knows how to play them. But the Vikings played a great game in Green Bay last year. I mean, they got spanked the first week of the season, embarrassed at home, and then they fixed their problems against Green Bay, went on the road, and won. They played almost perfectly. You know, uh, Dalvin Cook had like... 700 yards and 17 touchdowns in that game but uh yeah <laughs> maybe green bay will be able to clean that up but i think the vikings uh they have a decent chance this year i think they're going to be good i don't think they're going to be as good as green bay but i definitely think that uh patrick peterson i i'm a big patrick peterson guy i think he's great breland eh, i'm not as high when, when he was on the chiefs you know he did he did some okay stuff he's got a lot of playoff experience and now he's uh he was on that team when they won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, he yeah. was on the team yeah. last year. I like, two years ago. And two years ago. I like so, Patrick I think Pearson. he went from Green Bay to the Chiefs, so Yeah. Um I like Patrick Pearson a lot as well, but he I, I feel like the last couple seasons with Arizona, he's shown a little bit of decline. I mean I mean, of course with age is but Yeah. I don't think he, he's he's not he's not an elite core anymore, but yeah, I I'm sure he can still be good especially being in minnesota where they were not good last year in their secondary i'm pretty sure the vikings oldest cornerback last season was 25 years old like they didn't have a single cornerback on a second contract they were a very young cornerback room so i i really like the additions of peterson and breland just to bring in a veteran right uh, as well as bringing my mckenzie alexander so i I, i think that yeah just that on itself is huge yeah um you know i think their offense is gonna be good i I definitely think they have a real shot at this division i i mean I just don't see him being in Green Bay. I don't, but um, we'll see. I think their defense will be much improved. I think Peterson's great. Um, Breland, I'm not as high on, but a lot of other people like him. We'll see. Anthony Barr, he's been good. But um, 
they got Everson Griffin back, but we'll see how he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think that the Vikings are the second best team in the division. Like, I think if Green Bay doesn't win it, Minnesota does win it. But um, ultimately, I think that it would take Green Bay taking a big step backward. I don't know that Minnesota is going to take a big enough step forward, but I do expect their defense to be very improved. I do expect them to be a playoff contender. And like Brian said, week 18, they'll still be alive. We'll see if they're on the right side or the wrong side of the 17 playoff field. But uh, I think it's a legitimate concern with Kirk Cousins. You know, it's it's a concern with any player. Uh, but like you said, the fact that there's already problems with Mike Zimmer, I don't know that third round pick Helen Mond is ready to step in and be their, um, you know, starting quarterback if it does come to that. So that is certainly a storyline to watch. But, but that's assuming that he actually gets be. COVID. I mean, nobody was vaccinated or, last year. And no. There, I mean, there was problems with COVID Not even in the just, league, but... Not even just Cousins getting COVID, but like if there are legitimate problems between oh, Cousins yeah. and Zimmer, like that I think is also a factor. Um, so the way that I look at the the Vikings this season is that they they should very much be a playoff contender. They very easily could make the playoffs, but um, you know I, I'm not as high on them in that they're going to threaten the Packers to you know for the division. Like I think this is a team that's like a nine and eight. You know, they can finish above 500. We'll see if that's good enough for them to get in. But a big part of it is going to be their defense. So um, definitely high on a lot of the moves they made, especially not just bringing in a lot of veterans, but bringing in a lot of guys who were just on the team a couple years ago when they were a good defense. So I think, reasons to be optimistic coming back to that. I think they're a little bit better than a 9-8 and eight team. I, I think they're a pretty good team. I, I, I think they'll definitely be in the playoffs as a wild card, maybe even uh, – the five seed you know like the best wild card yeah. team i just i don't think they're good enough to get the division win they could it wouldn't shock me i don't I mean, they don't. went seven and nine with the 27th ranked defense so if they're 17th <sighs> yeah then, but they, they started uh, you know, out that like could be enough oh and five or something yeah like, one and five to start the season five. i mean they, they were losing to yeah. sorry teams too it was weird yeah it was bad like the way uh, that they lost was bad they got smoked like they were just giving up a ton of points but yep. um they got they got it together, kind of, to finish out the yeah, season. Yeah, they kind of collapsed down the stretch after getting back to six and six. But I think we're on, no, I mean I, I think we're on the same I, page that I th- yeah. I think they're a nine and eight, <laughs> ten and seven kind of team where they could potentially be uh, a good wild card team or barely miss the playoffs and tiebreakers. Eleven and six. Yep. Eleven six. Hundred percent. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the last team in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions. So. Lions, long time, have not been great. This offseason, they made one of the first moves by trading longtime franchise quarterback Matthew Stafford to the Rams for multiple first-round picks and Jared Goff. Uh, They'll see if they can have success with him running the show. They drafted Penny Sewell in the first round, try to beef up their offensive line. They hired Dan Campbell, try to, I don't know what he's going to add to them, but the expectation is that the Lions will be in for a long season as they try to do some kind of a rebuild to get back to being a potential playoff team like they were at points earlier last decade. So the big storyline for the Lions heading into the season is what has to happen for them to have any kind of success in what looks to be a rebuilding year. Well, I don't know how you're crapping on Dan Campbell because I think MCDC can lead this Lions team all the way to the promised land. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Corey. Um, no, so yeah, the, the Lions are definitely in for a long season. And as much as I don't like the Dan Campbell hiring, as many others don't like it as well, the one thing I do like about this hire is that he's the 
complete opposite of Matt Patricia, if you think about it, where Matt Patricia, he's this fat slob, and Dan Campbell, he's in super great shape. Matt Patricia, he was really not liked by any any of the players. Darius Slay still shits on him, <laughs> even though he's in Philly. <laughs> you could, he, Darius Slay got asked about, are, are you motivated to beat your former team in Detroit? And, and uh and he said like nah because Matt Patricia he's not there anymore and so he he's so he he still craps on him and Dan Campbell even though he might not be a super smart coach uh, I I can see him being a likable coach to play for maybe a players kind of coach and I feel like that's uh what the Lions need to have a successful season this year not a winning record but to actually have a coach that the Lions would like to play for. I think that's really important in any sport, especially football, is to have a, a coach that you want to play for and you want to win for. And so, I, yeah, I don't think Dan Campbell's the smartest guy, but I think he can be uh, a likable guy for uh, the rest of the roster. Yeah, Dan Campbell, I mean, like you said, he's going to come in and be a great player coach. I mean, he's he's had so many crazy quotes this offseason. His introductory press conference, he's talking about wanting to bite kneecaps off. You know, he's already grabbing headlines. Um, certainly a big football guy. He's going to be someone who's going to play a big role on this team. I mean, if I talk about success, though, I think one way that this line season can be successful is either there's optimism that Dan Campbell can actually be a head coach and actually be the kind of player or you know player coach who can lead this team through this rebuild or it's just a total disaster that they know to move on from him after one season and restart the coaching search next year. I think that's one way that this team can be successful. Um, I think they'll Penny be better Sewell, than the, I think it, they'll be better than the Texans. <laughs> Penny Sewell, 7th overall pick. Um he's someone who I think that him being like this uh, you know, wonder kind offensive lineman, uh, just the way that he was talked about saying that the Jets should keep San Darnold to draft him and, you know, see if he's enough to turn him around. Uh, I think him falling to the Lions is huge. And if he can come out and prove that he is that franchise left tackle, like superstar that everybody wants him to be, I think that's one way this team can be successful. So, you know, it's the little things. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win many games. Maybe DeAndre Swift taking a step forward as a, a great running back. Um, you know, maybe Jared Goff even proving that he can maybe be this team's quarterback for a long time. But I think that it'd be even better for him to not play well and they put themselves in position to get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. So, um, yeah, not really a whole lot of reasons to be optimistic about the Lions. And, you know, it's hard to find things that would lead to success. I think their best chance at success this year is going 0-17. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is the best this thing. He's getting the number one overall That is the pick. best thing that could happen to them. I mean, Jared Goff, maybe he'll somehow make a miracle, turn it around, because he did show like uh, a couple years ago when they made it to the Super Bowl in L.A. that um, that he was okay, I guess. You know, they had Todd Gurley going crazy. They had Robert Woods and uh, Cooper Cup doing their thing. He has no weapons also, on this uh, team at no, all. No, <laughs> he had Sean McVay. Yeah. Now he has Dan Campbell and Anthony Richard Lynn. Richard so. Perriman, number one wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, yeah. it might be, which is sad. The, T- well, TJ Hawkinson yeah, is a very good but, tight I mean, end. Like, but, a tight yeah, end is not a wide receiver. Wide receiver. De- DeAndre no. Swift should be good. Jamal Williams, they have a decent one-two punch. You know, no, None of them are crazy, but they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
defense stinks. Their offensive line isn't terrible. You got Jamie Collins. Like, that's one thing you can say about them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, their defense is going to be very bad. Yeah, so very bad. So, you know, Jared Goff, I think he's a downgrade from Matthew Stafford. I think if Matthew Stafford couldn't do it, I'd be shocked if Jared Goff somehow could do it. Maybe it was probably coaching problems as well, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I just, yeah. like... The best case scenario for them is if they go 0 and 17. If you want, if you're a Lions fan, you actually want them to win this year. You know, maybe you'll see them win three, four games. But yeah, I'm I just, think as I'm a just, Lions I, fan, you should want them to lose every game. <laughs> I'm just fascinated to see MCDC, Motor City Dan Campbell, to be super entertaining during press conferences. Yeah, yeah, I I think that we'll get some more more great great quotes out of him. One other guy that I didn't mention, Jeff Akuda. He was not great as a rookie after being the third overall pick. I think that if he can establish himself, that's another player. You know, as a, the next Darius Slay in Detroit. Um, so I guess with that, let's uh let's get ready to wrap up the NFC North with our new addition that will have the biggest impact. So, Brian McAfee, this time we'll start with you. I think Patrick Peterson. Because the reason I say that over someone like Justin Fields is I think uh, Justin Fields or no Justin Fields, the Bears are insignificant. I think they have no chance of doing anything. I'm higher on the Vikings, so I think Patrick Peterson is going to be a big addition to this Vikings team. Turn their defense around, hopefully, or not hopefully, coming from a Packers fan. But um, I think he's the biggest addition of this team. We'll see if he can uh, push them up to maybe winning the division. Uh, But... I think he's great, and I think, like we said earlier, we touched on this earlier, that he's going to teach the young guys, you know, this is how you play cornerback. This is how you're a great man-to-man lockdown cornerback, and I think he's going to give some Aaron Rodgers some trouble. Um, but, yeah. So the two players that I think will have the biggest impact in this division both play on the same team, and they both play the same position. That's Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. And the reason why I bring up both of them is if Andy Dalton starts more than four games, if he plays like half the season, I don't think there's any hope for the Bears to make it to the playoffs. But if they start Justin Fields sooner rather than later, I think there's some chance that they could make the playoffs with Justin Fields starting for most of the year. Either way, I don't think they're going to make it, but I think they have a, a much better chance if Justin Fields is in there. Sooner rather than later. So that's why I have both of them <laughs> as a big impact, uh, biggest impact guys in this division. I think their schedule is just not favorable to them at all. I mean, if Justin Fields was playing the easy teams later, like, you know, that would help him out, I think. But he's, he's going to be, if he gets put in in replacement, he's going to be playing all some of the best teams, you know. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's why I included Andy Dalton because he'll probably face off against easy teams in their earlier portion of the regular season they'll think oh well we should start Andy Dalton for the rest of the year and then they'll realize like no we gotta go with Fields and then yeah Fields well if if he starts in the end of the year he'll be playing against more difficult teams so yeah which is bad for confidence I mean he could play great but they're gonna lose you know (laughs) and that's and that's why I include both of them (laughs) yeah I mean Dalton and Fields don't have to have positive impact they can certainly have negative impact exactly um, certainly could have a lot of impact. Patrick Peterson, I think, is a great choice, Brian. Uh, I think he's going to make a big impact on that Vikings locker room, that cornerback room, just bringing in a veteran like that. Uh, to go with a different Vikings defensive player that they added, 
Um, how about Dalvin Tomlinson? I think he was really solid with the Giants last season, really the past couple seasons. He's going to come in there just boosts their defensive line, you know, at the defensive tackle position next to Michael Pierce. Pierce is a great run stopper. Tomlinson does both run stopping in, you know, pass protection or pass rushing fairly well. Uh, I think he's going to be another big part of this defense. I mean, they paid him $22 million for the next two years. I believe he's their highest paid um, free agency signing this season. So uh, he's certainly someone who could have also have a positive impact in turning around that Vikings defense. Really, you could go with so many names, though, because <laughs> they made a ton of additions on the defensive side of the ball. So, All right, now let's go with a bold prediction. Well, you guys know my prediction coming in as a Packers fan. What do I say every year, Brian, before the season starts about Green Bay? 19 and 0. 19 and 0. 20 and 0. They're not going to go 20 and 0. But I do think uh, this is their year. It's got to be their year. <laughs> if it's not, they I don't know what I'm going to do. More with, chances. I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do with myself if it's not their year. I think the bold prediction's got to be that they win the Super Bowl. It's got to be. Um, For sure. I think against the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship, I think the Packers played a horrible game. I think. The second half was rough for the Bucks, but they played pretty great for um, in the first half. But Packers had a chance to win that game playing pretty poorly. The Bucks played better than poorly. They didn't play perfectly. Um, I think the Packers, this has got to be their year. So that's my bold prediction. As far as a career goes, a bold prediction, Justin Fields will turn out to be just like every other Bears QB. He oh, is going to be not. Jay Cutler 2.0, and he's going to stink. Watch, watching the watching the two preseason games of the Bears, it felt a little refreshing to actually see a quarterback that has some skill at the position because <laughs> seeing Trubisky and Cutler for the past decade has just been so brutal to watch and hey, rex grossman brought him to the super bowl yeah which is so <laughs> mind-blowing to think about and that was 15 yeah. years ago oh my god yeah. we're so we're so old oh. i know we're getting up oh here's actually this is fun so sid luck well this part maybe not as much so sid luckman is widely considered the best bears quarterback of all time he died before justin fields was even born that's how long <laughs> it's been uh since the bears have had a great quarterback but his birthday brian March yeah, 5th, 1999. I, I was gonna mention that to you at some point. Yeah. That yeah, March fifth is his birthday. We're gonna so I, I would update. I would put list. him in the top five. Yeah, Walter Payton might be their best QB ever. <laughs> he had an eighty-six uh, overall Madden Ultimate Team card. All right, so I have two bold predictions. One of them is developing in the past minute. I'll just say Justin Fields will be the best Bears quarterback of all time. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> because the Bears have just not had any great quarterbacks like Sid Luckman might be their best one and and I mean just so yeah I like Justin Fields a lot but it's mostly a shot at just how bad the quarterbacks have been with the Bears so that's a developing take uh my original bowl call though is assuming Andy Dalton starts in week one I will say every single starting quarterback in this division starting week one will not be the starting quarterback in week one next season <laughs> because I think if it's Dalton, then I don't expect him to be the starter next year. I'd imagine it'd be Fields. And then with Rodgers, I I really do believe that that last dance thing is actually going to become reality. And I, I think it'll be Rodgers last year. I don't know what he'll do after 
this year, whether if it's if it's another team or retiring, but I really think it'll be his last year in Green Bay this year. And then Jared Goff, I think the Lions will realize that he blows. And so I'd imagine that they'll draft another guy in next year's draft. And then Kirk Cousins, I really think it's going to be, even though I think the Vikings could be a potential playoff team, I am concerned about his chemistry with Mike Zimmer uh, for these past few years and then adding on to it the COVID situation. And so... And they also drafted Kellen yeah, Mond. Yeah, and they the drafted Kellen Mond this patch, past draft. So my bold call is that all four quarterbacks starting week one this year will not be starting week one in 2022. So that's a definitely a uh, right. a bold call that is to be determined for a while. Both of them. Yeah, <laughs> definitely realistic. Rodgers but, uh, is coming back. He, he's talked a lot about... <laughs> Honestly, if about... the Packers don't win the Super Bowl, like I, I, th- I think if one of you are going to be right about that is either... He wins the Super Bowl or he doesn't and he's gone just like all the other quarterbacks. I don't think it has to do with the Super Bowl. Um, I'll keep this kind what of do you, short. Do you think it's just management? He's taught, yes, I think it's just management. He's talked a lot in the past about how there's something to be said for finishing your entire career with one organization and that he wanted to do that with Green Bay. Then I think he saw his competitor, Tom Brady, go and he was treated like a god in the Buccaneers. He's like, you know, maybe I deserve that treatment because uh, he's said that a lot of people in the NFL have like kind of talked to him like, hey, like, should I come to Green Bay? I don't know who those names are, but he's thrown those names to management and they just did nothing about it. I think if Green Bay wants to keep Aaron Rodgers, they need to listen to him in free agency. Um like they did with Randall Cobb, that's a first step. I've I've brought that yeah. up in the past. Where I, I, I guess really the question is the... if it's too late at this point, given that's already August. Yeah, I, I mean, but... I've brought up in the past that I believe that the Tom Brady situation, going from New England to Tampa and winning, is a big factor in in Rogers' decisions to stay or go. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be in a big rush to leave next year. I think he's going to see how uh, free agency. It's a it's a bold like... prediction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I said I was going no, to keep it short, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so I also have two somewhat bold predictions for the NFC North. Um, first one, probably a little more bold. Uh, I think Brian's going to agree with this one, though. The Lions which, will which have the Brian? worst record. <laughs> Brian McAfee. The Lions will have the worst record in the NFL, and they'll have the number one overall pick. A lot of people want to say Houston. I know most people are probably putting Detroit number two, but I think the Lions will actually be worse than the Texans this season. I like the Texans' chances of winning four games better than the Lions' chances, and I think that I don't think the Lions will go 0-17, but... You know, one in sixteen, two and fifteen, certainly in play for them. Um, so that's my bolder prediction, and then a prediction that probably shouldn't be bold, but at the same time, it feels like it should be bold because we feels like we've been waiting for a while. But uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy will finally be fired after the season. That's <laughs> that's my bold prediction. It's finally gone. Their Justin Fields won't save their job. They're not going to accidentally walk into the playoffs by beating teams like the the Vikings, the Jaguars, and the Texans down the stretch. Uh, the Bears will miss the playoffs, and they won't have a great season, and they will finally be able to move on from that duo. I agree with that one. All right, so that'll wrap up the football talk, and with that, we're going to conclude with our top five. So um, like we do for all of our episodes during this nfl series we let our guest host choose the topic and brian mcafee has chosen that we'll count down 
things that should make a comeback in this episode's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right. So, Brian, before we get into the list, we, we always ask our guest hosts, why this topic? Why things that should make a comeback? Why things that should make a comeback? Oh, yeah. Why did you choose this as your topic? I don't know. It just popped in my head. And I was thinking about Rocket Power and I was like, that needs to make a comeback. We need to make a top five about <laughs> things that need to make a comeback. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I guess with that, you can get started with your number five. So my number five is 2008 style music. There's something about it. Everybody knows that it's not actual good music, but everybody at the same time loves it. You know, Soldier Boy and Flo Rida, guys like that. Low, yeah, Lowe making is hits. One song in 2008. And, and, yep. It's just you know the middle school dance is a big party. That's what I was just about to go to. <laughs> As someone yeah. that uh, was a big hit at middle school dances, which is not something to really brag about, but it's, some, it's something that I always went to middle school dances. Uh, I do agree with Brian that the music during that time, maybe not great quality music, but brings break brings back great nostalgia. It, it gives yeah. you moves you never knew you had on the dance floor. Yeah, Soldier Boy was definitely a big one. Uh, we cranked Crank that, that. Yep. and then Low by uh, Flo Rida. That that was definitely another big one. And T-Pain was definitely popular during that time. I think Buy You a Drink came out earlier than 2008, Yeah, I think though. that was like 2005, yeah. 2006. T.I. That, that's, I love that T. one. T.I. with uh, Big <laughs> Things Poppin'. <laughs> yep, Sean Kingston. <laughs> oh, yeah. One. I know. I, I have so many fond memories, like listening to Kiss 108 in the yeah. car with my mom. Like, you know, just always playing those hits all the time. Um, yeah, great, great choice at number five. All right, so for my number five, I went with keyboard phones. And I know this one probably sounds absurd, but I had a, a really nice keyboard phone in high school. And I don't remember. The, what was it? So that's what I was just about to say. I don't remember okay. the. I remember it was an LG. Was it an Envy? It was an LG phone, but I don't remember the exact okay. uh, name of it. But I actually got it in the Philippines of all places. I, I yeah. really liked the phone and I wanted it. And, got it and it, it was it was a cool it had you could have a keyboard it was the keyboard was like behind the phone and you could flip it and you could type like it was like a a keyboard and it was cool and i i feel like phones now in days everyone has a, an iphone and it's this everyone has the same exact phone and i don't know phones like that had variety i guess and yeah, if they weren't no as high tech it, it had more variety yeah, and so that's NV3. why three yeah. Yeah. Oh, I loved my NV3. You, you, uh, that was my last phone before going to iPhone. There was a phone that you could unlock. You had to do like a Rubik's cube pattern. Like, where's that? I don't want to just type in. Like, yeah. Numbers. Right. Oh, I, I remember. I, I forget what that phone was. Phone. I found it. It's called the <laughs> LG KS360. And if you click on okay. images, okay, I, I had the blue one. LG chocolate. Yeah. Yep. I had a chocolate. I lost my chocolate on the first day of high school <laughs> and on the bus. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so I kind of struggled with this because I, I was just like, I, I could think of some things, but I was like, is there something really obvious I'm missing? And I was doing Google searches, things that should make a comeback, reading all these like top 25, like Buzzfeed lists and stuff. And I kept seeing stuff like flip phones and CDs and DVDs and VHS. And I was like, I don't know. I think technology in those areas has improved for the better. Um, 
I'm, I haven't looked back since switching my iPhone. I get that it's not unique anymore, but the iPhone can do so much more than what those uh, old phones can do. So Yeah, I, I realize that. I'll And I'll admit, too, that, I mean, we talked about this before we started recording that I think all three of us will probably have ones that we wish we put in our top fives days later. Uh, for sure. I mean, my list is very obscure and like a lot of things that came to mind very recently, uh, starting with my number five, which is Geico caveman commercials. So I know in today's day and age, uh, especially people our age, really only watch commercials during like live sports. Uh, maybe there's a handful of TV shows that come out um, that you watch live. But even then, most people probably just watch them the next day on Hulu. So not super applicable anymore, but whenever I am watching TV with commercials and I see particularly Geico commercials, they're just not the same anymore. And I was hanging out with some friends the other night and someone put on the song Remind Me by Roy Scott, which was in a Geico Caveman commercial when he's in the airport. That's the, everywhere I go, there's always something to remind me. And like, it just got me like thinking back to the Geico Caveman commercials. And I just started watching them on YouTube and I realized they, they were actually very funny advertisements. I mean, the first one where they're like, yeah, it's so easy, a caveman can do it. And they're at dinner, it's like, we're so sorry. We didn't know that you still exist. Well, yeah, maybe you should do some research next time. Um, and like they, there's like the bowling one where they're, it's three doors down, let me be myself. They're always great um, songs in them and they're having so much fun. And then it drops uh, to clear them and it has the guy go so easy a caveman can do it on like the, the machine. Um, there's one feature in, like toward the end with Brian Arakpo. If you want to do a sports tie in, they had Billie Jean King, where he's like, Why don't you take a gander at the scoreboard? And he's, he's losing like six nothing, six not six love, six love, five love. Uh, I love the Geico Caveman commercials. They were so successful that ABC decided to put their own caveman TV show out there. So I miss those. If I could bring back any commercial from back in the day, it would be the Geico Caveman commercial series. Yeah, the Geico. Geico commercials today are just not as good as those ones. No, they used to be so good, and it sucks because if you have to watch commercials, you at least want them to be entertaining, and they're just not anymore. I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched a commercial in forever. I just, on YouTube, sure, yeah. I see five seconds, and then I hit the skip button. Yeah, That's th- there's, all I get for yeah, commercials. There, yeah, there's a reason why I watch more NFL Red Zone <laughs> yeah. more oh, now know, than ever. Right? It's because I don't want to yeah. watch commercials. And even if there is a commercial on, like when I'm a kid, I had to watch it, you know, but now I'll just like now go on Instagram easy. or something yes. on my phone. Yep. I don't Tune pay out. attention. Mm-hmm. So with that, my number four is old cartoons. And I'm talking Johnny Bravo. I mentioned Rocket Power earlier, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. There's something about even old SpongeBob. First, like three, four seasons of SpongeBob are great, but it's just not the same anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't really watch kids' cartoons anymore, but I've seen little I, clips of them, and it's just there's no super dumb things like you know, and there's no like adult jokes. It seems. I feel like all three of us are very lucky to be born in the era that we were born in because of the cartoon shows that we were able to watch, like the ones that Brian mentioned. Obviously, I'm a huge SpongeBob fan. I haven't even watched a SpongeBob episode in, in forever, but I can still quote it to this day. And I loved Hey Arnold as well. Oh yeah, yeah, another good one. Yeah, and, yeah. and like you, Brian, I I also like I watched uh, Rocket Power a lot when I was in third and fourth grade. I was I watched it a lot before school, and so yeah, and and Ed and Ed Ed yeah, Ed, Ed and Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. That was that, that was, was like another my good favorite. One. And so yeah, Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Uh, the old shows, those were all of them. All those were great. 
Yeah, I guess my my only thing with this one is that I don't know if I'm necessarily like wanting to watch cartoons again anymore. Like I would go back and watch those old ones. I don't know that I need to make new ones, but I do understand like, you know, wishing that kids today could have the same uh, joy that we had, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Well, that's like a society thing. I mean, I was raised by Johnny Bravo. These kids are going to be raised (laughs) by Paw Patrol. Yeah, right. (laughs) Not the same. All right, so for my number four, I went with rock music. So Brian, at number five, mentioned 2008 music. I went with rock music because that's it's one of my favorite genres. And I listen on Spotify, on Spotify, I listen to rock from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even early 2000s. I, I even listen to, I still listen to punk rock even that i still i still enjoy you know even like i mentioned with Corey, it was some 41 i still listen to some 41 uh, <laughs> yeah. and all american rejects and then uh and i and way back then i i listened to acdc or queen i we talked about that in our top five rock and roll hall of famers and uh, i feel like rock has basically just died now and music today is just not as great and I feel like the only rock band I can think of that is still kind of going is the Foo Fighters. And, and yeah. uh, I was going to say Imagine Dragons. Oh, Imagine rock, Imagine, Imagine Dragons. Even, is, they're less rock. Like they kind of used to be when they came out. But like I feel like every rock band now is just like a pop band. Yeah, yeah. there's something about like all music Angus falls Young pop. go crazy in a suit with short yeah. shorts on, like rocking out with the long it's, hair, screaming It's into totally the mic, different like, than it used to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I... I miss that rock is basically dead now as a music genre. And so ACDC did release new songs recently, but like, yeah, I mean, they're still an older band. It's not like they're going to be putting out new music for much longer. So I, I totally get that. Like I still enjoyed listening to the oldie music, but it would be nice if there was newer, you know, rock songs I could live up to back in the day. Yeah. So for my number four, I went with the, Taco Bell Quesarito. And I'll put a disclaimer and say that Taco Bell still makes a Quesarito, but since August 2020, like a lot of other items on their menu, it is online exclusive. And to me, that's basically them phasing it off the menu. Taco Bell has had so many great hits over the years that have been like these like one-time thing that you can add to the menu and they get rid of them and then maybe they'll bring it back a year later. And there are probably a lot of them that I could go with. But to me, the quesadilla was a staple on the menu for six years. Like you combine a great quesadilla and a great burrito into one. And you shouldn't have to order on the app to be able to get one. Like I... I think that this is something that just needs to make a comeback to the main menu. I went to Taco Bell last night intending to order online and get a quesarito, but then when I tried to do it, I couldn't even get a combo with it. And I was like, so what am I going to do? Get a quesarito and like a Crunchwrap Supreme combo? Like I'm not trying to hurt myself that badly. And like one quesarito isn't going to be enough. So it was just, uh, you know, I, I punted, ended up going with the classic quesadilla. Like it was still good, but I just wish it was a real quesarito. So. You got to commit to the online order. The quesarito, I, I should, agree. See, it should be on the main I menu. I should have. But, but... I, I go to Taco Bell and I'm with you. I love the quesarito. That's what I get when I go to Taco Bell. And they I, got the, they I got actually. The $5 cravings box. Yeah. I actually take yeah. the time to go on the app and I order it from there. And, you know, it is a little annoying. But also, when you get to the drive through, 
You say, hey, I ordered online for Brian. They're like, all right, go to the second window. Like, it's super easy, actually. And you get the case but, uh, Yeah, I mean, I have so many apps. I probably should just get the Taco Bell app. But regardless, the the issue is that you have to go out of your way to get a quesarito. Right. Like, there's no, like, how is the quesarito more difficult to make than a Crunchwrap Supreme? Right? Yeah. Is it really? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's no reason. that. And, like, to me, this is the first step. Now it's online exclusive. Oh, hey, people aren't ordering anymore because they don't use the app. And now it's gone. So right. I need the quesarito to make come back to the main menu. Of everything Taco Bell took off, that's easily number one for me. So my number three is Blockbuster. Yes, Netflix is super convenient, Hulu, but there's something about you go with your parents, you go to the store, and you look at all the movies, and you just pick the most random one. No reviews, nothing. All you got is what says on the back of the box. You just... You see so many movies that way, good or bad. It's just random movies. There's something about going to the store. You get a candy bar at the counter, and uh, and you leave. You watch that movie, and you know sometimes it stinks, sometimes it's awesome. You you see like nowadays you uh you see every movie on Netflix, and then you just look at Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. And if it has like a twenty seven percent, you're probably not gonna watch it, even though. Space Jam, the original one with Michael Jordan, had like a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's the greatest movie ever made. I feel like you just miss out. Uh, I, I disagree with that take, but... Well, I'm definitely in the middle when it comes to Space Jam. Uh, Brian <laughs> probably likes it more than me if he says it's the greatest movie ever and I probably like it more than Corey if Corey doesn't care for it because I think it's a good movie. <laughs> I mean, I won't say that I don't care for it, but I, I remember it being better than it really was the last time I watched it. That's all I'll say. Probably That's true. why I didn't want to see the LeBron version. I was like, I didn't even like the Jordan one. Why am I going to like the LeBron one? Yeah, that's true. Maybe I just remember it being the greatest thing in my head. So I won't ever yeah, watch right. it again. I did that with like yeah. the Pokemon movie. I watched it. Oh. I watched it I in thought college about doing that. one time. They yeah. had it like in the movie theater and like my friends and I went and we were like after it we were like, dang, I could have sworn that was up for Oscars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like the worst movie I've ever yeah, seen. You, movies <laughs> and T V shows that you love when you're ten, you're like, Yeah, yeah, no, this I I'm developed since then. <laughs> I kinda have similar thoughts on the SpongeBob movie. Movie. first time you watch it like wow yeah. this is this was great and then watching it again like yeah maybe the show is a little bit better than the movie <laughs> right uh-huh. uh so for my number three i went with the dollar menu and as someone that is is as big of a cheapskate as me i definitely like to get cheap stuff at fast food restaurants uh, particularly at the drive-thru and i feel like the more i go to drive throughs now the less cheaper items i see on the menus at restaurants i feel like at a lot of the fast food restaurants particularly the big three in mcdonald's burger king and wendy's i feel like the dollar menu is just non-existent now and i and things that used to be a dollar are just now like a dollar 79 or 89 or 199 yeah. like yeah basically two dollars now and it's just it doesn't exist anymore. It just, I know, well instead it's like the four for four but you can get these four specific things for a dollar each you know like it's it's not the same thing where everything's just like a la carte um you know everything has to be in a deal of like two for three dollars and it's it's just not the same anymore exactly and that's why i truly miss the dollar menu and that i wish that would come back So my number three, uh, we're going to go with the sports-related one here. That is traditional NCAA conference alignments. Uh, 
As someone who loved college sports at a young age, I got very used to the Big East and, you know, having teams like Pittsburgh and Syracuse and West Virginia and, and like they were all these like Eastern teams all in the Big East and it was great. And then the Big East decided uh, to break everything up. They all joined the ACC or the Big 12 and then you had Missouri and Texas A&M joined the SEC. Now it's it, we went from the Southeastern Conference to the Southernish Conference. Now we have Texas and Oklahoma joining and now the ACC, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to have this alliance and just, I don't know, form a super conference that goes across the whole country. I, I don't love it. I think it's less regional now. I think that it's just kind of it could potentially ruin college football. And as someone who is a big fan of college sports, you know, always has been, you know, especially someone who went to a big time division one school. I just wish we could kind of go back to that traditional regional conference alignment. And I get like what traditional to me is maybe different traditional other people, because, you know, before I was a fan of sports, you know, the Big East had like Virginia Tech and Miami and Boston College. They already went to the ACC. So things change all the time. But it's just kind of frustrating that, you know, teams are in conferences that just don't make any sense anymore. Yeah, the Big Ten, ACC and SEC are just massive now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers in Maryland in the Big Ten, like how how do those make any sense? The Big so. 12 is about to be eight teams. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Big yeah, Ten right? is like I mean, Kansas teams. State's probably going to go to the Pac-12, like yeah. a, set, like a bunch of central teams in the Pacific Conference. Like, I don't know. I say I'm not just a fan. Take the top 50, put them in a league. Same, same thing as the NFL. Just go to the Super League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Super League. More, more forward than that. Um, all right, so for my number two, I have... Super short shorts with high knee socks in the NBA. I think that that's what gets the ratings. I want to see Charles Barkley's thighs. I don't want to see LeBron James dunk or Giannis <laughs> dunk. I, I want to see some thighs. John Stockton. Oh man, that's what that's what gets the ratings. Yeah, why you imagine o- Brian Scalabrini was out there with one inch short shorts with socks up to his knees and some goggles on? Are you kidding? The ratings would go through the roof. <laughs> Watching old clips of Larry Bird in his yeah. short shorts and high socks, yep. just nailing threes. I'm not looking at the form. I'm not looking at the crossover. I'm looking straight at those thighs saying, dang. <laughs> it's, it's a good look, yeah. I uh, I mean, it, I... I don't know if I totally long for those days. Um, you know, we, I don't know that we never, we really got to experience them because they were older. But it would, it would definitely be uh, fun to see guys bring those back every once in a while, just to, you know, throw it back to the eighties. Yeah, I will say they are getting shorter. They used to go down past the oh, knee, like halfway down yeah. the calf, and now, <laughs> now they're up above again. Uh, they're creeping back up. Yep. But yeah, maybe they'll get there. Imagine if guys like Anderson Verjao. Or Zadrunas yeah. Ogalskis with the Cavs. That's are, what I'm saying. If, if they're in that style, or or, or like Bobon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Shaq. Shaq. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see some thighs, man. Oh man. Yeah. I think it would be worth it to see Shaq. Or some all to wear goggles. I mean, Kareem would have no problem in the goggles, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who's uh, the Colts kicker? Who need goggles like that? Oh, oh Rodrigo Hot Blue. Rod? Yeah. 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 Rodrigo uh, bank and chip shots? Yeah. Blank and chip? Yeah. Uh, all right, so for my number two, I went with Blockbuster, something that was already repeated by Brian and his number three, and I completely agree with everything he says. I mean, yes, there are plenty of streaming services now, 
which is very convenient, but I do miss the old times of just going into uh, a video store, especially Blockbuster, and just picking out a movie, whether if it's good or bad. You pick out a movie and you find and you watch it and you find out if it is good or bad. And you don't have to go on Rotten Tomatoes like Brian said while searching through Netflix and finding out it's got a 27% rating. Like you, you pick any movie at the video store and I, I feel like that should come back. And, and when I was Googling stuff about Blockbuster, there is actually one blockbuster left remaining and it's in a random town in Oregon. Yep, I've That's heard awesome. about that. So we could I, technically I, go if you want to make a cross country <laughs> trip to Oregon. Let's do it. I get the nostalgia of that. Um I I feel like I rarely went to Blockbuster. We more often went to in Nashville yeah, video. Yeah, the main Thunder. Dunstable uh, video store I think it was called. Oh no. There were a couple. Yeah, there was one there. Video Thunder was like on Main Street, right where, kind of uh, where like the Panera Bread is. That's that's where the Blockbuster yeah, the Blockbuster next Panera. Yeah. yeah, yep, yeah. I mean, I I definitely went to Blockbuster. I don't know. I mean, you aren't really giving great selling points where you're just spending money on something that may or may not be good. The one thing that I did really like about that was, um, I guess, especially with Blockbuster, was renting video games to try those out. I missed that being a thing now it's like every game it's like 60 bucks brand new and a lot of times they're not as great as you want them to be um, i do miss that aspect of it but i certainly don't miss the video like i don't wish that i had to go to blockbuster to watch a movie like i'm glad that netflix exists and you know the other streaming services so i'm glad that those streaming services exist i just wish it, i had it, the option to go it in is there. more yeah something about it going yeah to the it's store. more convenient for the, the the streaming services, I'm not gonna doubt that. I'm yeah. It's definitely more inconvenient it's, to do the. Video but I agree, Brian, store. that there's just something about going to a video store and getting. Movies. I get the nostalgia. Yes, I do understand that. Um, so my number two is uh another fast food one, the Wendy's Frosty Floats. So I used to love getting these as a kid. Um, I used to go to Wendy's a lot with my grandparents and I would always get a Wendy's Frosty Float. It would be vanilla ice cream with root beer. And I don't know when Wendy's discontinued it, but I do remember trying to get one in college one time and they said, we don't make those anymore. And Wendy's has never been the same to me. Uh, And I particularly bring this up because they recently brought back the or introduced the Frosty Chino last year when they debuted breakfast. And it's just not the same. Like ice cream is not a good coffee creamer. Like it, it just, if they can make a frosty Chino, they can make the frosty float again. I would much rather have a frosty with root beer or a different soda in it than with iced coffee. And uh, I, I would like to think that the frosty Chino would eventually inspire them to bring it back. So I'm not a Wendy's guy, so I can't really speak on this. I, I haven't had Wendy's since yeah. the beer mile. I mean, I love Wendy's, but I actually have never had uh, yeah. a frosty float. I, I'm, you know me, Corey. Just I just want vanilla ice cream. Yeah, I just want a regular vanilla frosty. I'm cool with that. Or chocolate. Yeah, I mean that's I get it. It's just I think it's just so much better when you have it as your drink uh, instead of just as your dessert. So if my number one, I said old style video games like I'm talking NFL blitz type of game where you tackle someone and they go ten feet in the air and ten yards backwards or 
if they score a touchdown randomly, someone runs from 20 yards out and just punches them for no reason. <laughs> like NF yeah. Madden is just not fun. There's tons of other games that were just so random, just so fun to play. But now it's like they try too hard, I guess. Uh, they put all their time into the graphics and not into the actual mechanics of the game. And sometimes I, I don't want the best mechanics. I, I want bad mechanics, actually, you know. I want to hit yeah. someone with a weed whacker in WWE. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah, I, mean, I enjoyed NFL Street a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the street games are great. Yeah, Mike Allstock uh, can just run over everybody. Exactly. Nothing, yeah. nothing you can do. I understand that pain. Backyard baseball. Yeah, there's, oh, I, I know. Oh, yeah, I, I was I was thinking about that as one. Like I, I guess specifically I I love the games from like 2004 because once they started to like improve the graphics a little and whatever they did, it just it lost it. But I, I do have fond memories of backyard basketball with, with A-Rod on the cover and then backyard basketball with Tim Duncan. Yeah, hmm? baseball with A-Rod yeah. and basketball with Tim Duncan, right. Yeah, those are those are like my two favorites. Yeah. Um, NFL Blitz. So there's a barcade in Raleigh that has NFL Blitz '99. Oh, nice. It's my favorite game to play that's there. Awesome. Yeah, so it's it's always fun uh, going there and playing that one. Yeah. Uh, but I I totally get that. I would much rather play those games than Madden these days. And your parents are telling you to get off the computer so they can call their friend or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You can't use the, the yeah. internet and the phone at the same time. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I always had them for PS2, so that uh, wasn't an issue, but. I already kind of, I already kind of regret my list because I, I kind of would think about putting a couple options that Brian said on his list with old style video games and old style, that's and, okay. uh, and then old cartoons, yeah. But hey, I mean, we have more variety. That's with this, that is so. very true. Uh, and so for my number one, I went with the bad luck Brian meme, which I was definitely very fitting. Yeah, for you. I, that's why I put it. It definitely a ve- definitely very fitting for me and was definitely a very popular meme and something that I certainly embraced uh, during high school uh, to the point where on Facebook, when I had Facebook, I would actually put out Bad Luck Brian stuff relating to my life <laughs> uh, on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people actually did enjoy it and would compliment uh, my posts on Bad Luck Brian stuff. And I don't know, it, it, was, it was definitely... Creative uh, nickname that Franz of all people uh, was the one that gave me. I don't know how it started, but that's that's who yeah. gave, who gave it to me. And I just remember Kenny being the one to first photoshop. Yeah, and then Kenny's photoshop was the Bad Luck Brian meme was amazing. Uh, so, uh-huh. do you want the bad luck to come back, or do you want the meme to come back? <laughs> he just wants the meme to come uh, back. I think. The meme, the, mostly the meme, definitely not the bad. Yeah. Luck. The meme comes. Back, you don't want it to apply the bad to you luck anymore. Has to come back. That's so. true. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> I did love the meme though. I did enjoy it. I kept up with it. You know, he had some good ones. Yeah. Throughout the years. Um so my number one is uh kind of a, a, a disappointing sad choice, but uh I think it's kind of fitting for me right now because I recently realized that I am starting to suffer from hair loss. <laughs> so I my number one thing I want to come back is my hair. Um it's not that bad, but I can definitely tell, especially when I'm styling and combing it, uh to the point where I was actually prescribed for um some products from Hims to uh try to promote hair regrowth and saw potential loss i do know that it's something that kind of affects my family um so it's something that uh, down the road i've kind of always expected and i don't want to lose my hair this young you know i'm about to turn 26 not 46 so um definitely want my hair to come back that's uh 
very recent one for me that uh, I realize is a thing, but that's uh, I think it's a fitting time for things to come back to be a top five. I've, so I've I noticed... think you need to embrace it. Just go to the no. barber shop and ask for the Doctor Phil. Just shave my head. Instead. Yeah, but leave the sides. Leave the sides. No, <laughs> no. Get yeah. get the get the Scott Van Pelt look. Just just all of it. Yeah. Just fully shaved. No, I don't want to do that. No, I've always I've always liked my hair. I don't want it to be gone. <laughs> shine not yet. Shine your head. <laughs> when when I saw this in the script, when it said my hair for your number one, I thought you were gonna say like your hair from like high school when it was no when it was down and it was oh, no, yeah. I don't miss that. That's no, what I, I thought you meant. Yeah. Bring that back. <laughs> I don't want to have to grow it out, but like I'm like nervous that I might have to just kind of like hide it. Um, I don't even know if that would work, but yeah, I, I, I definitely don't miss my hairstyle from back in the day. I miss literally, I miss, I miss the hairs that used to be there. Right, <laughs> they're on your chin now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess maybe that's it. I I've had similar concerns, not not as bad as you, but there have been times where I've used a comb and I would notice a uh, few hairs come off and c- concern mm-hmm. me and like wondering like, am I gonna have hair loss anytime soon? I know it's scary for sure. I mean, I I, I guess. I don't know if I would rather have like losing my hair or have it become like gray or white at this age, but I I don't know if any are better. I always knew I had like a bald spot on top of my head, um, but I didn't know that it was kind of getting worse elsewhere until recently. I think you still look beautiful, Corey. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, all right. So that'll wrap up the top five. That'll wrap up this episode and I'll wrap up our 2021 NFL season preview series. Brian, thank you for coming on. And we certainly would love to have you back on later this season, especially if the Packers um, are relevant, which I imagine they will be for a variety of reasons, given their high, high expectations this season. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I liked, uh, I like talking sports with you guys. Yeah. I was glad we were finally able to get you on. It was definitely great having you on Brian. Yeah, it was hard yep. scheduling it, but we made it. Yeah, we made it work. So, um, yeah, at this point, we will have normal programming uh, as we give our NFL reactions throughout the season. We'll have more than just football topics as well. So for our guest host, Brian McAfee, my normal co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corinne Votney. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.